What is the secret of this enchanted book? What wonders are hidden within its pages? What magical spell does it cast on all who read it? What is the secret of the never-ending story? But that's impossible! Enter a world where a young boy's imagination becomes a vivid reality. The world of Atreyu and Artax, the Rockbiter, and a good and kind gnome. A world that is vast and eternal, treacherous and dazzling, unforgettable and free. For anyone who's ever made a wish believed in a fantasy or had a dream this is the never-ending story man all that doesn't even have the signature theme song also i gotta say i thought those dudes with the big heads were going to feature way more heavily into the movie when i saw the preview because i did see that preview as a kid i was like those dudes with the big yeah, heads are awesome <laughs> and they're in like one scene hanging out there was some alternate um there was some alternate trailers and that one's definitely one of the shorter version ones is yeah, yeah that, the- that was the netflix that was the netflix one i guess i I just I typed in never ending story trailer and just grabbed whatever it said was the official yeah, one. I remember the VHS trailer like that was on movies before it came out. And yeah, it was the song the whole way through and like full Which is enough. Movie. What more do you want? Yeah, you know, that, that's great. Netflix probably do want to get hit by a copyright violation. <laughs> <laughs> by its own system. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> um but there is a there's a time period right in like the 80s and 90s where they started these in a world trailers yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they felt like audiences i guess were like dumbed down enough that they kind of had to explain the, the point of the movie going in yeah so, see, there's a fucking this, dragon flying around genius where do you think this is brooklyn <laughs> but i i really I actually, actually yeah i've, I've been really this this season's or this uh this month specifically i've really been enjoying the trailer um intros because they're so different every time like like the the one we watched for Labyrinth was obviously just like a David Bowie music video, pretty much. Like yes. they had a David Bowie song, and why not? You know yeah, what I mean? Great like, one. Yeah. <laughs> we watched both. Uh, for my neighbor Totoro uh, last night, we watched both the Japanese and the English one. And the Japanese one was like fifty seconds of just you know straight animation, like showing you like, hey, this is what it's gonna be. And the and the and the one for like uh, American audiences was literally like two minutes long, like explaining everything about the movie (laughs) in a country where viewers are stupid (laughs) in a country where movies are fifteen dollars at the (laughs) we want to we want to we want to convince you really to spend that money um but this is movie night extravaganza um you know a little bit of a lean a lean crew tonight everyone's looking good everyone's looking fit um this is episode 57 where uh i think we're gonna hit I think uh, sixty once again is going to be the um, the wrap up. So nice. I, I think I think that we're actually on target to do that again. But nice. um, 
episode 57 the never-ending story i call this episode the never-ending stream because i i but the, but as as we talked about the other day the, the real never-ending stream was our murder night wrap-up uh <laughs> five hour long stream we're still streaming it right now yeah, yeah. exactly this and is all part universe of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the same one it's all one show really but uh, introducing the panel for people who haven't watched the show before, because if you have watched the show, you know everybody on the panel. But, uh, you know, illustrator, uh, artist, um, Ben Burgess boxing uh, uh, a champion drawing or drawing her. Uh, J. Andrew World is here. Yes, I got to stop drawing pictures of Ben Burgess without a shirt. <laughs> Conan, Falcor the Luck Dragon, Neutron, host of Retonic Reversal. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Uh, you know, you know him, you love him. He's shiny as usual. He's really, he's, he's really bringing it. <laughs> I got, I got, I got scales just like Falcor too. They, they dazzle just as much. And, and your theme song slaps just as much as Falcor's. Thank you very much. <laughs> and starts with Falcor. You know, the the music video <laughs> starts with Falcor. You know, going over the city, which I, as a kid, really wanted. Like, I really wanted to go over, like, oh yeah, and be like, yo, fuck you guys. I'm on Falcor. You guys fucking suck. We yeah. are also joined by Renee Rune. I mean, where where do I start? Uh, the night shift, where your where your movie reviews are. Um, you know, uh, writing all over the place, DJing, which is actually incredibly awesome. Um, putting together, putting together like some some awesome music production, and of course, you have a new podcast, right? I'd... Oh. Yep, that's coming as this well. I'm, I'm doing smells a, like girl. I'm, yes, uh, yeah, that's the one. And I'm also um, working on next week. I'll be releasing a new um, guest curating mixed um, a radio mixtape for someone else next week. So that'll be coming out next nice. week. Nice. Um, you know, this, this, this podcast, of course, originally is smells like boy, because there were way too many dudes on it for the first, hey! <laughs> the first statement episodes. of fact, it's like, oh. Planet, it's like Planet of the Apes. You know what you're getting into with the title. <laughs> um, so yeah, never ending story. Um, I, I, I have a question to start out with for everybody and, uh, I'll go last, I guess, and answer it. But, um, when was the first time you watched this and like, how much have you watched? Like, have you watched the sequels or uh, or read the books or, or read the, the book or anything like that? And uh, whoever wants to start with that, fuck yeah, I've watched the sequels. <laughs> Jack Black's in the third one has a monobrow. Uh, they really didn't try for Falcor on that one. Oh god, Falcor! Like, like, like the third one is an insult to everything that is a never-ending story. Like, like, like they they, they gave uh, the the rock biter. A musical number, which no, was no, no, um, no, no. born no, to be wild. No. Ugh. Ugh. Um, yeah, Ugh. he's just like your in. <laughs> that sounds like a Mister Show bit, and I hate it. <laughs> it really, that's that's what that's why it's kind of brilliant. Is it is like a one long uh, Mister Show bit, except yeah. it also it sounds it's like also a story one-off. Three. I can see it as a one-off like labyrinth thing. Where they're like, they're like, what else can we connect labyrinth to? Yeah, oh, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's put the rock biter in there. Yeah, yeah. um, two two at least got like uh, the casting right, but like nothing uh, else. How uh, many the, of them? The how many of them were there. you high when you watched? Oh, uh, most of them. All right. <laughs> I, th I, th I think that needs to be. I think we need, in the interest of full disclosure, we need that information. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> the only way to watch the sequel, the whole story, and you know, he he went with his kids, and he he was high and. No, I know those were two different times, but I don't know. It was funnier <laughs> the other way. Um, uh, Renee, um, I know, I know you're 
very into never ending story. I, I think this is a very yeah. pro never ending story panel. We should we should lead with that. If you're looking for yes. an yeah. anti never ending story take, this is get not the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I read the books and um, Woodley book, I should say. Um. And How I've seen ago? all the. Like, um. Where, uh, I read the book. Um. After I first saw the original film, so. When the film came out in 84, I was only four, obviously, but I, I think I was around six when I saw the film. Um, and then not long after that, I was obsessed with the film and then got a copy of the book. Um, my dad was really like into books so um, and movies. So I guess the way to preface Did your dad is, the, like, the book, the bookkeeper in this, in this movie, the store owner that's like... He's a, he's a bookie. Basically, yeah, basically, yeah. So... I mean, a good way to kind of preface it is that, like, my dad had a black book, a, like, little pocket black book that he would keep in his pocket. Um, and your dad book Epstein? Was, no, it was um, – <laughs> the, the book was um, every movie that I ever um, took out at the library and watched from – Oh, how cool. That's really awesome. He's like your own personal NSA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I was about like um, as soon as I could watch anything, so like goes all the way back to like friggin' Rainbow Bright, like you know Strawberry Shortcake. That like when I was like you know three, four, and it goes all the way through up until I think it maybe went to I was about eleven or twelve. Um, so he would every single time I I rented a film, he would write the film in, and he had this black book that he kept. Um, so my dad was really into film is basically what I'm saying. And, um, so he really pushed books and film on me. And, uh, this film was a film that we used to watch together regularly, like, um, a lot, like a lot of like almost every second weekend. So for me, it was like, it's kind of got a f nostalgia family thing, but also there's a lot of parts of the film that, yeah, that I identify and really love the job talk about later but in terms of the actual yeah reading it and watching it i've seen all of the films obviously the third one is horrendous but um the third one is also not anything to do with the book it's um brand new story created either is the second one the second one has nothing to do with the book either well, the <laughs> it took like one, one idea well it's part of the book so never any story is actually primarily the first half of the book yeah. and never any story two two is oh. like the rest of the book allegedly yes if you look, go back and look at the german literature it does make sense um because there's parts of it that don't make sense really as a child they do but later as an adult if you go back it yeah. is like what and then it makes sense what that yeah because those parts are missing from the original film because it gets quite dark obviously in chapter two film so um yeah, yeah. The, the, the whole the whole like uh every wish you have like takes away some of your memory like there was a lot of i feel like there's a lot of memory based Very, like the stemming from and you know and like you know it was kind of like um but i think for the first film i loved the casting um the whole like the whole part of it and i think one of the things like that i one thing is that um you know 
Roger Egbert, who's renowned for being a shithead when it comes to <laughs> reviews and being really difficult, um, actually gave this film three out of four. And he said that, you know, the the actual effects, puppetry, everything to do with that um, actually did transport him to another world and it was one of the better reviews he's ever given a film. And he came back without a jaw. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, they took my fucking jaw in Fantasia, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and Falcor also, um, I bought a dog that looks just like Falcor. <laughs> who, who I had for 14 years. So, so there, one, one interesting thing that I think is probably in one of the clips that I'm going to end up playing um, is that uh, um, like the, the director and like the people putting together the, the like puppetry and, and, and characters for this, like the costume designers were like, we're like, we've, we were not, uh, we were not thinking about a, a dog. It's the time. And it's actually, uh, it actually kind of surprised us that people thought that, uh, oh, Falcor looked like, no, but I just, I thought that was a funny, um, and I have a whole clip on their design of Falcor and like talking about how Falcor was created because everything be like in this movie. The, everything in this movie yeah. is 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 done without CGI. Like it's all uh, it's all yeah. practical effects. It's, it's all just the puppets. But um, like, yeah. But uh, Conan, yeah. Um, your your first your first encounter. Sure, sure. So I I must so thinking about again. Uh, my good friend Renee mentioned like seeing this a lot as a kid, and uh, I agree. And I and I couldn't possibly have seen it in a theater because it yeah it would have been like eh, right on the the margin line of it being a, appropriate. But I must have seen it on VHS. But I saw this movie a lot as a kid. Like this is like this may have been my favorite movie when I was a kid. Like I liked it better than any and all Star Wars, and uh, that's saying a lot. And this is a bookshop over here. We do not. We have no Star War. You, you know, if you want Star War, go somewhere else. None, none of those Bonnie Burton books. None of those. Beep 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 beep. <laughs> so you know, I would I would agree with the uh, younger Roger Ebert, who I actually think has pretty great taste for a lot of things, except for anything appealing to the proletarian, in which case he sometimes is wildly off base. Mm-hmm. Like where it's like, oh yeah, what do you just? When it comes to fantasy sci-fi stuff, he's. Yeah, he had his head up his ass, and well, I say we, that we, as we quoted Roger Ebert in the in in the Legend episode, the last one that we yeah. were, you know, the three co-hosts were all together, and uh, the, my favorite Roger Ebert quote of all time um, after watching his review of it, where he said, "You either get into this type of movie right away or you don't," and I didn't, and that was yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is great, and, yeah. and 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 you know what, with Legend, I get it. But anyway, th- this this is an awesome movie, very immersive. I liked it so much. I and he, you have to understand, I'm a bad sequel refuse Nick. If I know that there's a sequel to something and it's bad, I won't watch it. I will go out of my way not to watch it. In this case, there isn't just one but two, and I'm like, I am not going to watch that. <laughs> uh, and that's just me. And I understand that like I'm somewhat of an outlier that way. But like I have read the book, which I love, and uh, as as Renee said. The never-ending story, the movie, is basically the first half of the book and the very end. Yeah. And there, there's a kind of a cool thing that the book does where it's, it's sort of like it does like a reset and brings it back as a kid. But it is interesting that, uh, and I, I'm sure we'll get into this in the, in the meat of the discussion, that the second half of the book, especially in the book, first of all, it's Oh, very no, why would you mention Highlander? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, it's very Teutonic in, in in its in its form and function, but also it it doesn't just show the um, 
the application of like you know losing memory as you know yes you make fantasia greater but at the expense of your own like there's no cost in the in the movie for it uh yeah. but there is a cost in the book and end up kind of uh making a anti-hero almost villainous turn of bastion and really like him and atreyu were like like at odds for like a a good portion of that time and then at the end of it it's sort of like and everything's okay now and now you're a kid again and it's sort of like wow okay all this all that just didn't <laughs> really happen okay crazy but it makes the, the sitcom episode kind of yeah it was all <laughs> like everything goes back to normal and... <laughs> a bit like well language in the wardrobe though oh well actually very much long and by the way since it was asked in the chat uh here we go michael enda michael enda michael enda is the name of the author because michael enda no yeah. <laughs> you do it with the german herenda herenda by the way um and, and herenda. I, I have a clip for this Bo later toilette, on. Verenda. <laughs> I, I have a clip for this later on uh the ending of never any story the movie was tacked on by the creative team and michael enda did not like this move this this part of the movie so he started many lawsuits to try to yeah. st- shut down production and they're and then I don't know. So I watched that documentary and they're like, they're like, um, so much money was on the line. You cannot shut start shut down a movie for that. And <laughs> well, I, I, so first of all, so there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things to love uh yeah. for this. That's a that's a terrible uh, German accent, by the way, but it's okay because I once was told by a German fan who I took three years uh Oberschule uh Deutschsprechen and I was told that I sound like a child with marbles in my mouth. <laughs> by by yeah, yeah. It, it, in that you and in that uniquely sure. German way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel I, I feel like French, so you know. I feel like my German accent is just an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent right now. It, it's basically it sounds more. I was gonna say it sounds which, more Austrian, but it sounds more like Arnold, which is which, fine. Uh, yeah, but, um, <laughs> I was raised. I was raised by a German grandmother, so the fact that I don't have a good German accent is kind of embarrassing, to be honest. I, don't, I wish you hadn't pointed that out. You know what? Conan's <laughs> off the show. <laughs> wow! All right, it's about time. Uh, but <laughs> who's telling your grandmother? Never, never saw either You're sequel. Telling my grandmother. Oh, I don't know. Let's do a seance. <laughs> N- never saw either sequel. Love the movie. Have seen it so many times. Have read read the book as a child and as an adult. And uh, there's a ride. There's a ride. There's a place you can go to. It's in Atlas Obscura where you can go to the studio. And there's a ride where you can ride Falcor. Although you don't really ride him anywhere. He's just like take the picture and put you. Do you want a fan on to make it look like you're flying? Great. But hey, that sounds awesome. So am I the only person who saw it on the theater? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Bravo. Okay. Yeah. yeah because I, saw my... on, I saw it on basic VHS. Yeah. When it first came. Oh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I might have, but I would have been like, you know, seven. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> when I was like, uh, you know, that, that age, I was like, uh, I saw, um, freaking, uh, you know, before that, uh, well, I must've been four whenever this movie came out. Um, you know what, I'll, I'll text message my dad and find out. We'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I, I mean, like, like I saw uh, Grace Soak Legend of Tarzan, which had full frontal male nudity in it. Um, uh, uh, what was that movie? Um, uh, Clash of the Titans, which has full frontal female nudity in it. Yeah. So you know. My, by the uh, way, my, uh, in the theaters, <laughs> my my brother just texted me seeing our Falcor picture and said that he's watching Muppet Treasure Island, which. All right, what the fuck? Why are you not watching this podcast? Yeah, but, watch this show. Like, <laughs> he commented it on the picture of me saying, going live now, 
And he's like, I'm watching Muppet Treasure Island right now. But it does bring us back to our legend conversation. Yeah. Where we're talking about Muppet yes. Treasure Island and, and where you know. Tim Curry. Yeah. I am just. <laughs> Rocky. You guys. How being could you? Like where, where I grew up, we had one cinema and it was like rich people only went to the cinema. So we never went to the cinema. Oh, Everything my dad was wrote back. We saw it on TV, he said. <laughs> we, we had a dollar really theater so so like we, we got to see like all the movies for for dirt cheap so all yeah. right so my my yeah. my description of, of i gotta ask myself the i know we saw robocop in the theater which is way more questionable but whatever that's my dad's my dad reporting in <laughs> i gotta i gotta ask myself the question so forrest when was the last when was the first time uh you watched never ending story so when i was i'll kid, do it i don't mind i don't mind all right being all right yeah we, so I, forrest I, I, <laughs> When, what was your first experience with an Everending story? Did you watch all the movies? Did you read the book? I don't I don't think I read the book, but so as a kid, I like as a very young kid, I had ear infections all the fucking time. Like I constantly was recovering from surgery where I would get tubes put into my ear to like, you know, to, to try to get the thing stabilized or whatever and and um one of those times, if I remember correctly, um that I was like recovering from a surgery, I watched uh, Never Ending Story. So I've always felt like it's it's combined because I've I've thought about it like a bunch of random times, and I always felt like it's it's combined with my like fever, like my fever from having an ear infection, and like how bad things got with that, and like because I I've always felt like Never Ending Never Ending Story was like just warped in my mind. But watching it again was really cool because like you get transported back to those like. Cause I haven't seen it since I watched it a whole bunch of times when I was a kid. Like we had a VHS st like store in town that uh, like had it and, and I would rent it over and over and over again. And um, I don't know. So I, that was my first experience with it. I watched the sequels. I do remember that. And I also remember feeling like I got, uh, you know, ripped off from the money that I spent on the VHS for the third one. But um, oh, yeah, but then I, one, talked yeah. My, I talked the to my mom about it. But still, yeah, you, you got John Wesley Schiff, which, you know, um, I'm sorry. I, I just have to tell the story real quickly. John Wesley Schiff uh, was uh, playing The Flash on CBS and the show was canceled, not because the ratings were bad, but because they found out he was gay. Um, so, like, I, I, I always kind of felt for John Wesley Schiff because he never um, quite had that big break uh, because it was taken away from him because of homophobia. He's a good actor, though. So, you know, uh uh, glad he got to be the dad in, in part uh, two. By the way, the scene with the dad in, in the first one is the most 1980s uh, most 1980s thing I've ever seen. Where the I dad was watching you, kid. dad. No, but like the dad is just like, <laughs> like obviously the dad doesn't connect to, to Bastion. Yeah, you like, got to toughen uh, up. You got to be grounded in reality. Like he's bitching but, like, at like the him. most The most yeah. 80s thing ever is like revealing that the mom died and being like, listen, you got you to gotta go to school and start like, being a man and it's like it doesn't matter that your mom's dead you have to learn how to be the perfect capitalist subject and work right. every day like <laughs> get it together like jesus haven't Christ. you seen wall street oh it's not out yet never mind yeah. <laughs> also but, uh, the, mother, his, the mother's death wasn't that big of a thing in the book by the way it was something that was more yeah, it's a german book <laughs> <laughs> No, well, it was like it wasn't meant to, it, it, you know, the father represents like stifling creativity and, and 
stifling that that part of a person that has you know wants to explore and have fun and imagination and that he's kind of that the police tell you know telling him but the the mother's death is not as big of a part of the book as it is in the film i would say like the either well another weird another funny moment kind of in in the um in the movie is that the mother's name ends up being like Moonchild. Like she's yeah. like, Oh, that's the name. But you could think about like yuppies coming around yeah. in the eighties, which are like, you know, ex hippies that had kind of uh, like transferred into this like hyper capitalist culture. So it's kind of funny yeah. to be like, yeah, your mother's name was Mo that. That was your mother's name. Like, did you, she's an investment banker, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> or the dad tracks. was like, or the dad was like, that I was like this when I was younger. Like, I do not want a wife like this anymore. <laughs> but also that also ties into the book as well because in the book he's not actually us it's he says in the book i wish they would let me give her a name i would give her a great name it's not his mother's name at all that was put into the film not a part of the book at all and so yeah. actually yeah. the reason moonchild was chosen was because of her obviously moonlike face but because the original the German overdub of the film would be, um, I don't know how to say it. Let's see if I can get this thing to say it. Mind and kind. Mind and kind. So that is actually what um, the name is. So that he was told when he was doing that scene to deliberately drag it out and make it incredibly difficult to figure out what he was saying. Because they even have like the thunderclap, like while he's saying yeah. it, right? Like there's like it's like because, a big storm. It's like, like it's really loud. Yeah, because for the German film, when they were going to do it, it needed it was going to be Monenkain, which yeah. would mean so it needed to be long enough for those three syllables. But yeah, so right. in the act, in actuality, his mother's name was probably fucking Karen. But in, <laughs> in the book, his mother, there's no mention of his mother's name at so all. Such, about his using his imagination to create a name for the child like yeah. Ambrose. It has nothing My to do with My mom wanted to speak to the manager. Yeah. <laughs> I want to speak to the manager of Fantasia immediately. But, you know, I guess <laughs> when they did the film, they wanted to somehow bring that, like, you know, Re re relatability in with the family thing and whatnot and did that but that's why when you can't like for so many years people fought over what he actually yells out is because it was deliberately made incredibly hard yeah because they for the german version they needed it to be uh, more than kind so it needed to be dragged right out so yeah that's um, a tidbit on that so this this uh this perfectly actually cues up um the first clip, which I'm not going to do these. I, I have the clips in a certain order that I'm probably not going to end up doing them. And I'm probably just going to sprinkle in whatever clips that we end up mentioning. Um, um, but uh, but uh, this is this, this is the never-ending story. Um, I don't know where that's coming from, but this is this is the never-ending story. Uh, the part of the documentary that I watched um, where they're talking about how popular the books were in Germany. And uh, wow, that artist really wanted Falcor to look like a lion. Michael like yeah. Anders. <laughs> There's a few different cover versions too. I've seen a weird the, green. The big, the big lion, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would have made it look like David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a lion plus Hasselhoff, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's all you need. 
But Spock. This is. is this is his friend Goib. I mean Falcor. Is <laughs> <laughs> the writer of the novel Never Ending Story was a huge success in Germany and around the world. And it was not just a novel that people read because it was suspenseful or full of fantasy. No, it was more than that. It was a novel that gave people an idea of the meaning of life. Dave Weigel's cousin. It was a true event and something what we didn't have in Germany for a long, long time, that millions and millions of people, especially kids, were reading. Dieter Geisler got the rights from Michael Lenda, and he brought it to Bernd Eichinger. Bernd Eichinger was the head of Constantine, which is a German production distribution company, and he was the producer. When Bernd Eichinger and Dieter Geisler got into the right situation, got the, the rights, were able to make the book, it was big news in Germany. Making films based on famous books is always a controversy because the people who had read this book and liked this book and therefore they want to see it. Now I want to see the film because I liked everything in this book. And, and now they're, they're missing things, they're missing scenes. You could just take the book and turn this into a screenplay. It would be great, but there were so many things which we just couldn't do. No CGI, everything had to be practical. What you were doing during production you invented the special effects. And that made the movie so expensive at the end of the day. We were just starting this movie and doing this movie when blue screen was invented. So we could use that technique of blue screen. We had a screenplay which was already agreed upon by Michael Ende and which had still some moments which were technically not possible to make. The big problem started when Wolfgang wasn't, wasn't sure how to end this movie. There's one scene in the movie that is not in the novel. That's the final scene. Kind of an important one. Uh, yeah, uh, first off, I just want to just throw out a trivia tidbit. What, do you know what movie that that director did before this? No, I do not. Fucking Das Boot, <laughs> which is amazing. That's, that's Canadian for for um, the boot. Uh, a boot, yes. <laughs> a man, a boot town. A man. Um, <laughs> what's, but, all uh, this, what's all this a boot then? So I, I'm I'm gonna I want to actually continue this because this gets into um, Michael Enda and his uh, his fight that he had to try to save the material. He also and, uh, did uh, later on Air Force One and In the Line of Fire. Which Air Force One has uh, uh, Xander Berkeley, who, who uh, you know, shout out to him since. Yeah, he, shout he, out to Xander Berkeley. Hasn't come up in a while. By the way, kind of fucked up. <laughs> we didn't come on the podcast. <laughs> it is kind of fucked up. Uh, also, Enemy Mine, which I referenced in uh, being shown in uh, like a, a rainy, rainy day in class of being like, like, you know, substitutes hung over kind of like situation. Oh, yeah, here, watch this shit. Yeah. And stop I, bothering me. I saw it the same day as Buckaroo Banzai. You get given to watch sometimes in school. They're so inappropriate yeah. sometimes. It's amazing. I remember seeing That's how Cry I saw Baby. the Bakshi uh, Lord of the Rings. He's a crybaby? Wow. You watched okay. Crybaby. In, and I was like, this is amazing, but is this really what we should be watching? But <laughs> exactly. <I'm not> <laughs> 
I mean, hey, enemy mine, you got to see Lou, Lou Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid have like an interspecies sort of like cuddle, you know? It's like, it's like, all right, well, this is pretty yeah. daring for seventh grade. Gotta there, say. there are pretty, there are differences between the two, between the two species, but it does not stop them from doing the cuddle. Um, <laughs> I'm slow. I feel like by the end of this, maybe I'll have a, a, a you're, better you're, you're You're going more Zizak with it than I, I think is necessary. But that, that's not sound Zizak at all. This is the Zizak. This is not, this is not what I'm doing. But <laughs> I think if you can do a Herzog, maybe it'll be closer. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. But let's watch. Uh, well, we need to watch it. We need to do a Herzog movie because I would love to do that. We are 100% going to do that. Guaranteed. Yes. We it's weird we have it. He's got so many Big like problems. I love him. That looks like a Vista Light bass drum, by the way. I'm just going to point that out. The <laughs> big problem started when Wolfgang wasn't wasn't sure how to end this movie. There's one scene in the movie that is not in the novel. That's the final scene, and I have to give credit for that scene to burn. Because we were thinking a lot about, okay, how could we end the movie? I thought it was the coolest thing in a movie like that, where you are so much into Fantasia and you are for a long time just not in our real world anymore. It was just at the very beginning. And then Bern said, what do you think of the following? And Wolfgang said, yeah, and then they jump into the trash container. And I thought it would be the greatest cut if all of a sudden he has never forgotten about how it all started. And we cut from that world right into the, do it the other way around now, right? Not that he is entering Fantasia world, but he is from Fantasia coming back with the luck dragon into our world. Mike Landis' philosophy was everything. What we read and what we will see in the movie is born in the fantasy of the kid. And so this could not be possible to come into the real world with a Fantasian creature. He was very uh, upset. He didn't like it at all. He said, you're trying to do a Disney movie. And Bernie said, of course. And he said, but I have my novel. Novel is not like that. So everything was ready. Everything was safe. And Mike Lander tried to stop the movie. He threatened to stop the release of the movie by an injunction. Lucky enough, the request for an injunction was uh, was not given by the court. And to stop a movie with a budget of 60 million German marks would cause a disaster and is it's out of proportion. And Michael Ender lost. It was high stakes, high profile, big deal, big money very expensive. We knew that the movie would be enormously expensive. You better be okay with your nerves because that's easy in a production like this to lose sleep over this. I think you need this feeling for yourself to be really inspired and to be really creative. And then Michael and then you're breathing down your neck and saying that you should not even do the movie because it's all wrong. Ooh, that's not fun. It's the first time a, a German person has ever said, you need this feeling for yourself. <laughs> it's never happened before. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, I I've got to say, though. Um, yeah. 
I gotta say that I actually really liked the ending. And as a child, I, that was the ending I wanted. Like that was what I wanted. I wanted it's. I want it's so good. To get back to <laughs> those you want to flex haters. on your haters. Your haters throw you in the trash can. Yeah, you want to flex on your haters. All those people like, when, when, make fun of you, you know, for reading and being weird and, and 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 having an imagination when everybody else was like, stop daydreaming, stop, you know, drawing and da di da da And it was like, you know, it was like, the perfect ending, you know, and him him flying on Falcor and he's like, yeah, like I remember that scene so vividly and, and how much in, I, I empowered I felt as absolutely awkward, as an awkward book reading, you know, non-popular kid, like, you know, that book, like, you know, I mean, the whole, yeah, the book, you know, I get where he's coming from, but in terms of a film, that's based, you know, going towards a children audience. I think it was the perfect ending, and it was the ending that kids would have wanted to see. And it it made me feel fucking great. I left that that film ends, and every time, no matter how many times I've seen it, I feel like fucking a, like yeah, yeah. All those kids who do the weird shit and draw and write and create and make music and do all of those things that we were told not to do, like because they were to get us nowhere, you know, and like keep your feet on the ground, you know, and like all that shit, you know, it was like, fuck you guys, fuck you, look, it's real, you know, this, and payback's a bitch. And yeah, I, I enjoyed what? it and I kind of, I'm, I'd be interested to see what he's, uh, what the alternate version would have been had he won the injunction. Well, I, I don't think, think there, I don't think he thought of one. I think he he just no said, he he, he, he just he's knew he didn't like it. Uh, but I want to say first yeah. of all, first of all, it's very well said. I agree with every word of it. Also, also watch it again. Watch it again. Last night, and I may yeah. or may not, but definitely did. Gay, get their asses! Like when it got to that part, because it still hits. It still hits. You're like, get them! Yeah, fuck them. Fuck those, those guys kids fucking suck. Those are <laughs> fucking terrible kids. There's three of them. There's only one of him. He comes back out of the fucking trash can. They threw him in once. They humiliated him. They're like, get back in the trash can. Like yeah. those are those are fucking terrible kids. Turds. Ter They're turds. Terrible they kids. Are. I would have told those kids, you get you got your deal. Yeah. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, like it's still yeah, like exactly. as an adult. As an adult human male i still was like yeah mm, get it like yeah. so to exactly. but to that have that i was like <laughs> yeah but as a kid especially and, and again i think it's it's important point that that i think renee brought up that a bookish kid too right and as someone that i read uh, uh, shocking nobody i read a lot as a kid too and yeah not the most popular pastime <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you know, like, we're talking about an age group where being called Einstein is an insult, right? Like, I mean, like, it's you know, like it's it's a thing. So to see, like, not only some comeuppance, but some like riding the goddamn dragon down, like, you know, a main street at these little sons of bitches. Main street. Fuck yes. Well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it further than that because. I think a lot of adults that have been treated like shit as kids for reading a lot for kind of being nerdy, they love to be like, well, 
you know, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, you're going to get your comeuppance. You'll be successful and your bullies won't. And they, and they love like, you know, they love kind of including that in movies. This the is Facebook model. <laughs> yeah. But this is like, this is like an immediate, no, you could be riding a fucking luck dragon and yeah. your bullies now, like your bullies tomorrow could be fucked up by the fact that you're like literally going down with a fucking luck dragon and running for their life. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) you don't have to wait those 10 years. Those 10 years are going to be fucking painful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so this movie kind of immediately giving you the satisfaction of being like, look, you might be weird, but like you could be riding a luck dragon and just fuck your bullies up that way. And they'll fucking run away from you. It feels way more gratifying than like, well, one day maybe you'll be like a Senator. And it's like, that sucks anyway, but this sucks I, I, who wants to be a senator? <laughs> Listen, all right, I want to be a senator because uh, I need to stop the 1% from taking away. These bullies I see, may, I may be in the extreme. trash can, and I was already eating that trash can. <laughs> and then I realized 99% of our society is in the trash can. While the one percent is standing outside, <laughs> if we all join together right now, we could change all of that. <laughs> well, so to tag all of that, if if I may, is is is, is that? Oh, I think I think you were on mute there, Renee. So, but but I was real quick. I was just gonna say that for me, especially as a kid, you get the. Um, oh, there you go. You're back now. I was gonna say that's just as important as bringing Fantasia back as far as scenes within the movie and why it hits and why it's like, so this is a movie that completely, maybe I should say the final thoughts, but it completely absorbs you into its world very effectively. More so than Zavelda Fantasia, more so than most movies that, that attempt to do so. And to have a very grounded segment at the beginning and a very grounded segment at the end that talks about the main character, one of the main characters not being grounded and then mm. turns around everything that you've seen in the movie and applies it to objective villains. That's good filmmaking. That is good filmmaking. And it's better yeah. than than trying to like shoehorn in like the second part of it where there's like corruption of the human soul, where it's going to be like kid breaking bad, yeah. but also he loses memory. All right, whatever. <laughs> An Alzheimer's kid breaking yeah. Ronald Reagan. There's my Ronald Reagan yeah, reference. There you go. <laughs> um, but no, like, I, I, the show also, yeah. Before, um, when you were saying before about, you know, parents and adults being, don't worry, they'll get their canuffins later, whatnot. And like, in reality, most of us nerdos know that's not true. Those dickheads probably yeah. all became yeah. relatively successful dickheads. And are still They're dickheads. the senators. <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe Manchin actually was the leader, yeah. So, Joe Manchin's never know, bullied um, anyone in his life. Joe Manchin's Joe Manchin's yeah, on a fucking tightrope. It's, 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 it's a joke. It's a joke. Just get I know what I'm just saying. He's 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 Joe Manchin probably got thrown in the fucking dumpster. And his this is his revenge by coal miners. He's like, I'm gonna fuck these coal miners up. <laughs> Renee, please continue. Sorry. I, the, the, we, no, I, we, I don't know what happened there. What you said, and, um, yeah, it was like, you know, it was yeah, there was no backing down on on the. This is like it was like no, we're not conforming. Like we're coming back, and you're you know that and that that was that was a huge win for us because you know in a lot of the, in a lot of a lot of those films it's always like oh no you have to 
come on, toe the line, be not, you know. And this film was just a big win all, all the way around because, like, the beginning it was like he resisted and at the end he resisted and came through and was still like, you know what, I am the weirdo, I am that kid, but guess what, I'm on a luck dragon, dudes, and you're in the bin. And it was instant <laughs> gratification for, for every, every kid who has ever been picked on um, for being that nerdy book kid or, you know, the kid who likes Star Wars or the kid who likes Star Trek or the kid who likes fantasy novels or, you know, whatever you, it is you do, whether you play games or watch I was all three of those kids. Four of those kids. You, five of those kids. Like, Stop describing me. Yeah. Well, like, Who could have predicted? I spent my entire childhood. Andy, get in the Andy, get in the garbage. Yeah, get go in the garbage can right now. <laughs> I was there before we started streaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was too, by the way. The so. luck raccoon, like bad imagination. Like so, I was always like reading books, constantly reading books, watching films. Like I said, from a super young age. Like that's to me. Like, and I've I've said it before. Um, I'm working on a piece about Stephen King, but one of it's like, my, you know, one of my best friends, I would consider one of my best friends growing up, Stephen King, because I spent so much time with the man, like growing up. I, I read all of his books, you know, blah, blah. And that's how I feel about a lot of these kind of films. They were my friends. They Which were they, my friends. I mean, friends. it's interesting that Stephen King is another person that kind of, um, although, I mean, I don't think that she's necessarily the hero of the book, but like Carrie uh, brings you into this world where it's like, you know, someone is so pushed to the to the limit that their powers, right? Because they've had these powers that they're secretly uh, like storing inside them all the time, just come mm -hmm. out like and get unleashed and kill everybody in their school. Like it, it's a different kind of uh, almost gratification, but there is that base level of like, yo, as someone that like everyone was kind of an asshole to, yeah. Fuck those kids. <laughs> yeah, fuck the, I mean, like, who amongst us did not have the Carrie fantasy, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, I, I actually got to live mine. Um, I, I really hate this story, but... Um, <laughs> Andy confesses, uh, Andy yeah. confesses to a mass murder. <laughs> no, no, this, this is actually really sad, though. Um, uh, I was... Uh, I moved to high died. school. I moved to, high uh, to a new high school... Um, and uh, this football player, you know, decided to, you know, to not like me. And he kept, um, you know, like uh, one day he just took me, it took my head and just smashed it into the desk really hard. I think I got a concussion. And he's like, and he looks at me and laughs like, you don't like me, do you? And I'm like, honestly, I hope you die. And that afternoon he got into a car accident and died and screwed up. His oh, Wishmaster over here. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that kind of fucked me up too. Um they only took one of Andy's That's memories good. for that one too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it was, it was strangely enough, it was Buckaroo Banzai. So you, and we didn't even notice like, cause he still knows that much about it. Um, yeah. but yeah, like I, I definitely feel that like as a kid, I remember when he's like, I've read like, a, like I have 186 books in my library. Like I, I yeah. felt that heavy and I had a weird, I had a weird childhood and I was sick all the time. And like I kind of went bounced between schools and well. yeah. So so like Isn't having a character kind of just say that to the old like to the old book guy and the book guy still be a dick. First of all, I was like, yo, this guy's a fucking dick. He yeah, still he, he like starts negging him like immediately. Like, hey, we have these things that <laughs> yeah, like you know are these rectangles like that you probably didn't know anything about. 
you know. Yeah. But every and but like it's like fuck you, like, dude. I know what a bookstore is. He so badly. He knows he's gonna nick the book. You know that that's really yeah. Trying to get him. To no, do. he want and he wants them to, which they never go back to, which is a little he weird. He has to nick the book. Um, he has to nick the book of his own accord, not be given it. So that you yeah. know the way the best way to do that is of course how rad it is and like tell them they can't have it. Yeah, yeah, and they exactly. Can't exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's so, cre- he's so creepy looking out the window as he, he's like. But yeah. but but I will say I will say that uh, it it's not only heavily implied it is canonical that the bookstore owner has had his own adventures in Fantasia, which goes back to Andy's point yeah. of like language in the yeah. wardrobe universe, right? And I I like that and like. I will say I love how tight and taut this movie is. Like, you know, it's barely over 90 minutes, but you could have, you could have let that through. Like maybe even just like, uh, like, like, by the way, there's no way they would have let that like not go unsaid. If this movie was made today, if it was made today, it'd be fucking terrible. But like, if it was made yeah. today, they'd be like, actually, you know, like they, okay. they'd still have Jack Black as a high school bully. Jack but I, I, I but I love that aspect. Legend though, later on, where he's right, you know, right, right, yeah, <laughs> as Dave Grohl. Uh, but I love the, I, I love the idea that like yeah, like he's 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 you know he's like as Renee was saying, using reverse psychology on the kid. Oh, you know this is not for you. You can't have it. You wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah, fuck you, old man. You know, and then but then like he'd been like, yeah, got him. You know, <laughs> as he goes out the door, like that's Thank great. God, I've been looking. I've been looking for a dumb kid to take this book for so long. I'm so tired of these fucking adventures. <laughs> Yeah, like he's fucking sitting. He's like sitting around, like you know, chasing uh, a trail on a horse. Like, oh, I hate riding horses. This sucks. You know, like whatever. Anyway, but he picks yeah, also yeah. the worst book to uh, use as the. He picks the worst book to use as the example because he's like, "Have you ever been uh, Captain Captain Nemo stuck in that submarine while uh, you know while you're, while while it's being attacked?" And it's like. That's a pretty terrifying fucking scenario. Like, why not pick one of the, you know, to be like... But it's evocative. And if you're looking to lose yourself in a fantasy world, it's evocative. I think that's why he does it. And I actually didn't think about that last night. I don't know if I thought about it before. But I was like, it was interesting, like, the examples he picks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I I also thought, like, the... Like, actually, as creepy as he was, I actually liked the bookstore owner. Because I miss going, as a kid... I miss going to the library and all the fucking weird units that used to work there. You know what, what I mean? What do they call a library because in Australia? Do they have a name for it's it? Just a library. Yeah, or like, you know, in a book or in a book hall. Like, you know, there would always be like a book hall? Really eccentric, weird, um, you know. Um, Wait, what do you call work. people who take bets in Australia if, if libraries are bookies? Librarians. I got him. I, I killed it. I killed Andy. Just for days, reaction to the whole thing. But yeah, anyway, right. please continue. Please, Renee, please continue your thought. Thank you. <laughs> no, I was just saying. I just love. I love that that eccentricity because you know that that is also like a the grown up kind of you know they're those people that like accepts you as you are. When when you're a kid, like I used to go to the library twice a week, 
with my big book bag and whatever and walk around in there for hours. And, um, you know, and they would always know you and they would like, you know, chat to you and treat you like you were special because you were one of them and you got it. You know what I mean? And like, you know, it's not like these days where you go into most they would like shh you a little softer. They would go, shh, yeah, like, yeah. but give you a yeah. <laughs> give you a wink too. <laughs> like um, a commercial store, like now, like a commercial one. It's just there's no there's nothing there. Like there's no that vibe isn't there. That weird kind of quirky vibe. I feel like in America you've still got lots of those like unique bookshops. We don't have many of those left anymore. Um, oh, they they kind of disappeared they're, in America. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> yeah. They're, a, they're an endangered species here too. So, so I have mm. I have one of those bookshops across the street from a, a more I'm not going to say corporate, but like a more liberal I guess bookshop, right? Like one of the ones that kind of have the um. So it's it's a bookshop that only kind of has older books and sells rare books across the street from a bookshop that like everything in front and, and on the side of it is like the, uh, you know, New York times bestseller kind of stuff. Right. Or like the, the Robin D'Angelo yeah. white fragility, like anti-racism books. So, but right. it's really, it's really funny going over there because I'm someone that goes to like in any place I go to, I'll, I'll go to a bookstore. Like I went, um, I went to Burlington like multiple times in the last during the pandemic, like, cause it's somewhere that had very low cases that you're not really like, you know, in any, in any danger of getting COVID and stuff. So I've gone to Burlington like four times during the pandemic. And, and, and every time I go to the bookstore there and, you know, um, like in the, in like the main uh, strip in Burlington and like, but, but here in New Paltz, like the two bookstores are across the street. So I've always just thought it was hilarious to like imagine them competing where it's like the one bookstore is like the, the, the one from never ending story. Cause they have all the old books and they sell like, antique books like that's kind of more of their thing and the one across the street is like well we have the new york times bestseller books so it just always like funny to imagine them almost as like rival gangs they're like you want to come in here and the other the other ones are like listen we have old we have old books we got so many old books and you know what you don't you don't even want to come in here like they're they're nagging you like the fucking guy in the (laughs) yeah yeah um i live next to a town with actually two small bookstores and to like old, like just just old books, you know, like used books and whatever. Old books. And a consignment bookstore. So like they buy all the overstock from the uh, all the other bookstores in the area. If I was to have a bookstore, I would definitely call it old ass books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> old ass and then books. every book would be Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility. There and everyone would be like hundred <laughs> percent would not, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There actually is kind of where I'm going with this, which is the fact that Adobe Books, like as a place to like meet up with like fellow like-minded like people to like do cool stuff was like second to none. But I, I was always like, Does anybody ever buy any of these books? Like, like they're all awesome. Like all this that's actually my copy of Confederacy of Dunces I bought from Adobe Books. But I always felt like I'm like, shouldn't we do like buy a couple books since we're like, you know, eating up like their time? But they were like, whatever, fuck it. You know, like like we own this building and like have owned it for forever since it was like not million dollar property. And we just like having a cool bookstore and having cool stuff happen. And like there's something to be said. You know, a lot of talk has gone into like the cafes of, of uh, you know, the the different the revolutions and stuff along those lines. Your local bookstore, your independently owned and operated bookstore, a lot of cool stuff can happen there. 
Oh, yeah. I used to go into what I loved the most when I was growing up was dad used to take me into used bookstores. And, you know, they were the ones where the shelves used to be up to the ceiling and, and the, the aisles were this thin, you know what I mean? And you'd be like, ah, you'd be trolling through things and you'd find the, the best gems of, like, books that, you know, and, like, original copies of great shit for, like, $2 or $5 max, you know, and you and uh, you, I loved that. And it would be, like, you'd spend an hour or so in there just, like, immersed in, like, this thing, whereas now with the, the way, with the commercial book kind of way things work, people automatically, people go into a bookstore now already knowing what they want, you know, or they just order it yeah. Yeah, well, that's probably even more likely. Yeah, you're right. Rather than the browsing and the, like, seeing things that you wouldn't normally possibly pick up or, like, whatever it might be, you know? So this this copy of Confederacy of Dunces right here, I picked that up at Adobe Books. I was like, that looks cool. I didn't know anything about it. I was like, all right, there's a fucking guy with a hat. There's a bird involved. Oh, right, even better. <laughs> like, that's that's pretty good. And it's like, it is literally one of my favorite books. And I would not have known for that because I was just like, you know, whatever, sloughing around Adobe books, whatever. And then being like, oh, okay, that's it. Because I, I saw, you know, like, oh, here's a um, a book about Gore Vidal and um, uh, what's the guy who's always debating the fucking right wing guy <laughs> no uh um <laughs> anyway like stuff stuff real like like academically interesting but dreadful reads like that and then i saw like you know confederacy of dunces and i picked yeah. it up funny story one of the other books i picked up the never ending story oh <laughs> yeah the story is never ending I've picked up a parkload of amazing music photography art books from used bookstores too, like phenomenal books that like, you know, they only ever made a certain amount and stuff like that as well, which you just, you just don't get these days. So, but to segue, I guess, back to the film, the book and, you know, the book, I was going to say the mythology of this film, which is one of the things that I, I am a mythology nerd. So the mythology in this film is one of my favourite parts, which is like how Forrest was saying, <laughs> he's scared of, the, the Sphinx has scared the shit out of him, whereas they were like one of my favourite parts. Um, but the um, the book, of course, like, you know, and you've got the Oren on the cover, which was I was obsessed with. Um, and have been it's on the cover. It's, it's on the cover for this episode too. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, it is. And um, the, you know, I was obsessed with the Oren and like you know the mythology behind it, which actually led me to become obsessed with the Euroboros eventually, which I'm planning to get tattooed. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so the the Oren is actually you have tattoos. Yeah. So, don't don't listen um, to him, Ray. Just keep talking. <laughs> the um yeah, so the Oren is actually um a a double a double Boris. Um 
meaning unending story, which is, you know, part of the whole thing with uh, Fantasia and, and nature, which is meant to be life. So you've got like gold and silver also, which is moon and sun. And so um, that's a huge part of uh, hermetic, hermetics, I think I can never say the word, and alchemy. It's a part of that and a part of that breaking. Yeah, the two, the two so, snakes that yeah. Yeah. intertwined. Yeah. But, because they, yeah. but because they actually did double, yeah, it actually becomes the unending story. And then by making it silver and gold, like one represents sun, one re represents moon, um, yeah. which is essentially supposed to represent Fantasia and then like reality, like nature, reality. So, and how they're intertwined, which is very important in the story, right? I mean, it's yes. a huge part of the story. Yeah. Like yeah. like like the childlike empress at some one point was like, you know, uh, like when she's explaining what's going on, it's essentially, yeah, we would not exist if not for the dreams of people from, you know, your world. Exactly. And so the the Arn is the I get almost like what do you call it? Like the, it's the doorway. Yeah. Um, so to to jump into the movie, I guess, because we were talking about like, you know, stuff talking about bookstores for like 20 minutes. Right. I know. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> we got kicked off Twitch for a minute of that though, so I guess it's all right. But um It's fine. If you're gonna miss anything, you can miss that. <laughs> um I don't I think I think this cold weather is fucking up my Wi-Fi, maybe is the problem. But um the, it's the uh, opposite to that, it's so hot, so that could be fucking with my Stop. Mind. Stop. Well don't. it's summer down there. Yeah. And it's ridiculously hot. Like, like, like yeah. it is. It is insane it is so how hot, hot it is down there. Telling you right now, having... Do you know how much rather I would have it be like ridiculously hot? Which I'm not saying. No, I like, no, no. This is like it can kill you hot. This is it can kill you cold. New York's it like it, I've had a couple of days in the negatives. All right, all right, weather, we get it. Enough. Oh, warm or hot? What's going on? What's going on? This one's hot, this one's cold, this one's in the middle, saying, what do you want from me? What the fuck? Where's the Goldilocks co-host? Um, <laughs> no, so I have so I have a thing I wanted to play on the casting of, um, well, not the casting, the creation of Falcor, I guess, as the okay. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, asked him. Yeah, real hard to find a luck dragon. It turns out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this day and age, you can't find a performer that could play a one luck dragon worth shit. But uh, no. So I, I, I have, I have stuff on the casting of of all the child I mean, actors, which is now know. Christian Bale would, would go through the uh, uh, you know, go through the surgeries to become a luck dragon. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a method actor. Uh, yeah, I heard, I, mean, I, I heard Jared Leto. I heard Jared Leto just attempted to have good luck for two months you know like just force himself to have good luck for two months to try to play a luck dragon daniel day lewis actually learned to fly <laughs> <laughs> almost died but it was worth yeah, it no it was apparently <laughs> says it was worth it yeah he went back to his, his little cobble shack to make shoes and was anyway go ahead by the way method acting weird 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 profession i mean i appreciate by I the way it. cobble shack was not planned material i just thought of that off the top of my head also, I had a huge crush on him, I you, by the way, because we're focused on him right now. Um, Atreyu. was biggest babe when I was a kid. He, I mean, it, it's it's crazy seeing what he looks like now. I don't know if you've looked up what he looks like I now. Have, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
both <laughs> him and Tammy, who played uh, Childlike Empress, do um, yeah. cons regularly. So, yeah, they did an anniversary yeah. one recently, and I saw their imagery, yeah. <laughs> He looks like Methtreyu. Not a babe anymore. If I had to give him a name, it would be Methtreyu. But anyway, and and I say that lovingly as someone who's described. Peace and love, peace and love. (laughs) (laughs) Methtreyu. We created and wanted to have a dragon that it feels a little closer to what kids sort of relate to. So we gave it a little bit a feel and a look of a dog, a little bit. And sometimes, actually, people actually say the flying dog. That was not our intention. And we were always quite upset with it. It's not a flying dog, it's a flying, it's a flying dragon. To design uh, this huge luck dragon, it was like designing an aircraft. Well, you see, it was, it was so huge, you could only animate parts of this whole thing. We had the problem how to create a 16 or 15 meter long lock dragon and make a neck of three meters, make this neck natural and, and smooth. It was incredible. They're like these enormous puppets that maybe several people have to manipulate. For the rock biter, we had, I think, 25 people. They were all behind the rock button and down in the basement and everything with little monitors watching them, pulling the eyebrow, pushing the eyebrow up, doing a nose thing here. The smile, sometimes the smile was completely not coordinated, so we had to do it again. Sometimes you have to slow the movements down because a tiny little puppet has a tendency to make some sharp moves. But you have you have to shoot it in slow motion so that the moves are more fluent. <laughs> and the puppeteers had to learn, first of all, in, in real time with the playback, because the voice is already recorded. But then they had to learn to do this for slow motion very fast and still be in sync. And it sounds odd to say I was impressed impressed by the rock biters acting but i was what i like about him is that he is not only <laughs> biting rocks and eats and but he's a gourmet rock biter a delicious looking limestone rock mm-hmm. we had a famous dialogue coach bob easton who helped train the puppeteers and then the nothing <laughs> you can open the mouth just slightly wider on the vowel nah. Nothing that you have been. They trained and they rehearsed and they rehearsed a lot of things. And when they had the feeling, now it works, then we came in or they came to us and they said, okay, now let's shoot it. Lean forward, yeah. Of the, the creatures I really like. Falco is one of them because he's so charming and he's so friendly and he is so warm. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Hi. The eyeballs. I wanted that thing so badly as a as a pet. I, I heard Marlon Brando was up for the part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you got the you got the eyeballs, and then everyone comes in. You do the eyeballs, and then you say, "You know what? We you've got only nine thousand nine hundred and eighty-seven miles to go." <laughs> I don't have enough cotton balls, I guess, in my mouth to pull that off. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so again, 
hand. Like that's huge. And the amount of people involved, incredible. And that's that's where they, like Andrew would agree with me, I'm sure. That's where they fucked up bad in the third because the the dragon was fucking horrendous. They were full dog. Yeah. And and like <laughs> I can't even. Re- I don't know if you remember Andrew. Was didn't in number two? Did they use the same Falcor or a different one? I can't this, remember. Uh, same Falcor for the second one. The same for the second one. It was just third that they changed it, which I don't know why, but yeah, weird. But um, yeah, I think if they tried to make this film today, I think all of the rad characters like Falcor would look Falcor Falcor um, would look probably very cracked. And CGI, and it'd be CGI because it is practical effects. And if there's been any running theme with movie night Fantasia, the month is that practical effects are fucking awesome mm-hmm. and timeless. And CGI doesn't hit the same way, even if it quote unquote looks good for the time. Yeah. There's something about it that doesn't give you an immersive experience. Yeah, and that's and something that like it's 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 universal. Like even like Legend, mm. which is objectively not a great movie, the practical effects are great. The effects mm. are awesome. It's like it's too bad nobody wrote a plot for this Fakakta movie. But yeah, okay, you know it's it, it looks great, <laughs> it looks amazing. I mean, even you know, like I watched, like I said, I watched last night again um, as well, and I was like, fuck the, the the effects, the all the effects hold up true, and you really feel like you're there and you're in it. And you couldn't get that today. And I know they've tried. They've pitched and pitched and pitched to remake the the Neverending Story, but they cannot get the rights. And will and they've given up. They will not get them. And I'm glad because I think that would ruin it. And they put. Out I would not want to hear. I would not want to hear or see a modern I remake of Neverending Story. I, I think it would I suck. Would, I think it. I think it would have none of the things that made it wonderful, and exactly. I think it would be self-aware. I, see, here's so here's something that I think is interesting. Maybe you you folks will agree or not. Uh, I think that some of my favorite movies that have come out, with the exception of like Barb and Sara go to Vista Del Mar, like you know, like comedy stuff or whatever, are like not paralytically self-aware movies, which isn't to say that they aren't self-aware, but the kind of self-awareness I think has just completely permeated all parts of pop culture, I think has been ruinous to creativity to a certain degree. And I think it's time. And I'm actually very stoked that the young, the young, the kids, the younger generation are coming at things from a very earnest place because I think we actually need that now. I, and nobody I think back makes, to like, oh, go ahead. Nobody makes Sorry. Films like these. I was just gonna say nobody makes children films like this really anymore. Like, yes, nobody, not to this level, and not no, it doesn't like you know they, they don't try. even try. They don't even bother. It's all spoon fed and made to be a ride at Disneyland, and like yeah, that's yeah. all and, it is. Everyone's thinking like, about the three sixty. <laughs> You know, um, and and I just think back to not to change the subject, but like there was a real discussion amongst the head haunches at DC of how we would make a Superman movie in the modern age, which is like, really? Like, 
Why don't you just make the fact that like this is a dude that has no reason to be good and has chosen to be good because maybe we, the culture could use that right now and you don't need a dark and gritty version. Yeah. You know, there are, yeah. there are great Superman stories that haven't been told, too. Like, like so you know. amazing ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and that fundamentally, Mike, and not to turn this into comic book talk with Andy and Conan, but like, I feel like to a certain degree, when I was a kid, I was like, Batman's fucking awesome. Superman fucking sucks. Like, I, I not sucks, but like, it wasn't a fan. Right. And as I've, but as I've gotten older, it's like, well, Batman is a dude of privilege who basically takes out his rage on like an underserved underclass that, yeah, maybe that some of them are rotten people, but ultimately it's <laughs> folks that are literally not in their right mind half the time. Whereas Superman is someone that could rule the planet and galaxy with the powers he has and chooses to like rescue kittens from trees and like help old women across the street. Yeah. And like that, the epiphany of like, Oh, Wow, maybe I was looking at that differently the entire time. That's the problem with like our, our the, with modern culture is the fact that we look at something like Never Ending Story, like oh, but wouldn't it be better if if like they were making like references to Lord of the Rings? No, it fucking wouldn't. It would have been terrible. <laughs> it would have taken me right out of the movie, and which is the whole point of this movie. One of the reasons why it's so successful, has touched so many generations, is it's able to bring you immersive reality, and part of that is the practical effects. And another part of it is the storytelling, which I understand that Michael Linda was like, well, it's not my vision. I don't like it, blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm going to flat out say it. The movie's better than the book. The yeah, movie is better than the book. It's positive. It's uplifting. And like, it gives you what you, what the reader really wants, I think. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> but but like real talk right i mean like you like things like okay and we're over an hour in and we haven't talked about the swamp scene my god yeah that killed my child uh the time we watched it, it killed everyone. Yeah. Oh, Ted, twitter slash the the swamp of sadness yeah i mean <laughs> i mean, feel like twitter is the swamp of sadness half the time let me <laughs> tell you but you know but, um, I was I was reading like a, a like an analysis thing, and it was you know they were talking about you know what Fantasia and obviously what the nothing represents, and you know obviously the nothing you know it re it represents what off. life would be Not like. Not you, Renee. I just want to get that out of my screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fine. Uh, no, it represents Matt Christman's Hall of Presidents. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hell of presidents. Yeah. Hell of presidents. I messed that word up. Save that shit for Kenzo's show. Go ahead, Renee. <laughs> um, yeah, it represents the whole the whole thing with the nothing. Is that it represents what what it is when you take away the creativity and and the dreams and the wishes and and the creativity of humans and what happens and essentially you end up. That nothing is a representation of sadness, of despair, you know, of, of depression, essentially, and of giving up. And, um, yes. you know, and, you know, they, they, I like the way that they used, you know, the storms kind of thing as a way of the nature, like manifestation of the nothing. But my favorite, one of my favorite scenes, and because all my cousins would shit their pants every time. And I thought it was the best scene ever. Was obviously um, 
you know, was the nothings, you know, has his own, well, he, whatever it may be, um, had Gamork. Gamork is, is a fascinating character in this, and I can't wait to hear Amazing character yeah. and um, fucking scary. If, if <laughs> anything was scary in this film to me, it, Gamork would be probably the scariest. And yet, well, Gamork's number one. Nothing is like a number two most scary thing. Oh, whatever. That's the thing that's going to end us all. I don't give a shit. Yeah, like, that fucking crazy oh wolf with oh the green God, eyes. Lost it. When, when Gamork came on, it was like, Nah, out. I'm out of this film now. And I was like, what? And he was like, you know, so he's he's there, like, you know. Very German, by the way, having like a wolf, the wolf, Dale Wolf, yeah. as the, the central, like the most evil, scary character, right? Like, it feels uh, like an incredibly German thing to be like, oh, the thing, the thing that is that is rooting for the destruction of the world. They are ugly like the wolf. <laughs> Dale Wolf. Der Wolfenstein. Yeah, and then you have the, I guess the, you know, Gamork even says, you know, like he wants the downfall. He wants the nothing to win. Yeah. Because I, I feel because like, nothing, so, so. He gets, then, then there's no, you know, he has the power, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So there's this like the dynamic there where even, you know, Gamork is essentially supposed to be, you know, the, I guess the, what do you call it? Kind of like the, I've lost the word for it, but, you know, the the kind of fighter for the for the nothing, and he's there. Yeah, the the, 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 the the sort of uh, advanced guard, but also kind of like the champion of the of the nothing, so to speak. But yeah, like, yeah. with that, own, it would... has his own like little you know, kind of, um, it's better to serve in hell than it is uh, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Like mine. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's, so I would love to do an experiment and I don't have the time enough or interest enough to do this, <laughs> but to take quotes from, uh, Gmork and put them as if they were tweets. Oh yes. Amazing. <laughs> because like, I, I think that like, it would look I, like half of like the influencers that are like, you know, the, the doom influencers and, and, and whatnot, yeah, you yeah. know, like. I, I found this really funny thing, uh, which was like a, on a random villains wiki, which sometimes I wonder about the people who write these things, but um, it has Gamork and it lists like his list of crimes, which I'll read, mm. um, mass destruction, mass murder, Spreading lies and deceits, mind break on human minds, and attempt an omniocide. Mm. And the type of villain is an eldritch cataclysm. <laughs> well, you know what? I this might be an unpopular view, but I think they should have tried uh, Gamark in the Hague. You know, the the International <laughs> Criminal Court should have had him in there and crimes against humanity. All kinds of crimes against humanity, really. You know what I mean? All of them, but, you know. I liked it better <laughs> when he was with Mindy. I liked Gamork and Mindy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. And then, of course, the, the, you know, that Gamork is like a representation of that, like, manifestation of all that sadness, depression, death. But then the nothing. Cynicism. Really and, 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 yeah. and cynicism, yeah. Yes, like, and then the nothing itself is just the void of what happens when I mean it's, when, it's, it's when incredibly 
it's incredibly prescient in this pandemic where kind of caring is the entire thing. Like when everybody yeah. stops caring, you know what I mean? Like the death toll rises when everybody stops caring. Like I just wanted yeah. to read some of the quotes I wrote down. Um, it's like, um, because people have begun to lose their hopes and forget their dreams. So then nothing grows stronger. What is the nothing? It is the emptiness that's left. It's like a despair destroying this world. Um, people who have no hopes are easy to control. And whoever has the control has the power. Like it, okay. it, it really feels like as we've uh, kind of drained, you know, in general, like just, you know, within the last 30, 30, 40 years of, of you know, human existence, when, when hope and um, like, like a feeling that things can get better drains and this, this kind of nothingness remains, this emptiness, um, the neoliberal turn, as they say, <laughs> um, like it, it kind of, it, it starts to feel like, you know, masses of people, um, nothing matters to them. Like in, individuality in the sense of like, um, like an individualist mindset takes hold. And then all of a sudden, like the entire world could drain away and people wouldn't really care. There's all of these problems that kind mm -hmm. of revolve around people caring, like mass yeah. solutions aren't possible if everybody's kind of apathetic. And it seems yeah. like this movie is, is pointing that out at a very early date, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even because as it gets towards the end, you know, a lot of the characters like Rockbiter, you know, um, they succumb. They become, they succumb to the apathy and the depression and they just go, I can't <laughs> give up. Uh, Glenn, I heard Glenn Greenwald, uh, you know, has been, has been promoting Gmork's, uh, you know, articles lately and he's like, yeah, they're, they're, he's like i like this guy has some has some good points interesting ideas <laughs> I, I love the conversation but you know i i agree with what you said forrest and i also think that um it also is a representation of the generational shift that was once um you know encouraging children to be imaginative and to you know play outside and use those skills and and play music and do art and do all those things. And I think the generational shift over time has been that it's a waste of time. It won't get you money. It won't get you a job. It won't get you into university. And parents these yeah, it's, days. Yeah, it's a financial turn too. Like the, the, the yeah, dad being like, you need to grow up. It's a very, yeah. um, like you need to grow up because, you know, it, in, in, leaving childhood and becoming an adult at a young age you're kind of very quickly take on these uh like thinking about what's going to make you money thinking about what's going to really be your career and you know so it's it's impressive as fuck to have this movie come out in in the early 80s when it's like um you know this this turn is really happening in real time where it's like parents are going to just be like you know what like it doesn't matter that you have an imagination it doesn't matter that you're daydreaming about riding unicorns you should be like doing is you know creating some kind of life for yourself that's going to result in you making money and and that really yeah. is schooling um it stops being kind of yeah. schooling being about kind of learning and and really like exploring and starts being about you know um schooling is getting you ready for being an adult and having a career and a job and it feels like that father character in the beginning of this movie really like hones that in and throughout the movie, kind of the fact that Bastion has this imagination 
and really is capable of being like, look, I'm not someone who fits in in this world. Like, I'm not the bully throwing someone in a trash can. Right. Um, like my mom, who supposedly was named Moonchild, fucking died. <laughs> and I'm I'm getting over it and human emotion, which makes it also kind of hilarious that a ger- like German people, German people are making a movie that's like don't worry like you're, you're getting over something you're learning like because i feel like in, in germany it's more like your mother died all of our mothers died fuck, fuck you yeah. Like, <laughs> so so forrest i don't know what what you pulled for the movie but i was just thinking about the fact with all this excellent gamork content that we were throwing out there for the internet gamork.com yeah, gamork on substack subscribe By the way, today ronald reagan as gamork <laughs> well the world might be going, he, but you know what? He touched on, as Andrew was saying as well, the swamp of sadness, which ruined almost everyone's childhood. Got a, so there's a yeah, and ruined swamp. Which, you know what? Not, many is there many people in the southern United States cry, they could have played in the swamp. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? so so at least once. If I I tear up every fucking time. I, like, I watched it last night and I was like, oh, fuck. In Australia, by the way, there's no word for swamps. They don't believe in swamps. In Australia, swamps are just bodies of water that you play in and hope that nothing, it's just nothing pulls you under the surface. Hey, it's head down to the buggies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I guess there's. <laughs> I'm sorry, Conan. I, I feel like I led this. I led no, this no. Well, through you in the garbage. <laughs> I'm already eating from that trash can. And For now me, and now you are the senator. <laughs> I am but a nothing podcast host. And I am nothing but yeah, anyway. Three t- three things I want to get to. First of which is we the bog of eternal sadness. Like we we, we have not adequately covered <laughs> God damn it. First of all, we have not adequately covered when I pulled the uh we haven't gotten into the bit yet, but when I pulled reviews for the bit, I had to ignore so first of all, 90% of them are like the story ended eventually, lol. And I'm like, fuck that. That's not clever. No. Fuck you. You suck. But the yeah. other like 90% of the ones that were left after that were, holy shit. Fuck the Artax scene, like wrecked me. Oh my God. Like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> like some derivation of like that either ruined or defined my childhood. And like, so, so I was blown away watching it this week that it happens so early on in the movie. Cause because from a childlike perspective, I first of all think of like Neverending Story as being like, you know, this immersive thing. It's like eight hours long. It's really not that long. But like, it's so evocative. It's not and even such an hour a, and a half. It's not even, it's not even an hour and a half. Yeah. But it's such a well done scene that conveys so much emotion that I dare say may not have existed on screen in that capacity in that way before where it's literally a child actor and a yeah. horse. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a real, I'm going to repeat that. It's a real horse <laughs> and a real child actor. And that yeah. scene is so devastatingly sad that is defined. You want you want to hear some Germans talking about the creation of that scene? Do you want to? Start I, I would with, love uh, nothing more than that for us, yes, please. Der, der Horsch. <laughs> I mean, 
yeah, like you have no idea. Like it, there were so many of them. Like I agree with this, but like, look, I can't have like ten reviews that all say the same thing. All right, come on. <laughs> but I mean, it, it really does feel like the horse stops caring, and it's like number one. That no, no, the it's horse has feelings about things, which is like just kind of a fascinating thing to include in the movie. But also, just like you know, like the horse like, is bummed out. The horse is depressed. The horse doesn't know how. You know, like a horse is a whole complicated set of emotions. You're like get that horse some Prozac stat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, also, it's... you know the the um the actual fuck I've forgotten the what is the uh, name I've actually forgotten it now the Artex is actually no not Artex um the name of the actual character that he's there Atreyu? That, um Atreyu's there to speak. he's there to oh speak uh to, the, the 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 fucking asshole nihilistic turtle yeah um which I also have a clip on by the way yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah, so he that that well, the turtle is like I hate everything. I've given up on life. Who cares? Yeah, that's yeah, like, a pants so so low for me out horse, here. Poor yeah. horses yeah. walked into the water of shit, <laughs> and just like unfortunately, the Kool Aid's gotten in. You know. Yeah. No, that fucking been... turtle would not only be a doom scroller, but would have a sub stack about depressing bullshit if it, in the modern age. Oh, yeah. The, the, hor yeah. the horse has been watching like Al Jazeera. With, with like 50,000 followers, too, by the way. Like, I mean, people would be like, I can't wait to see the next post from the nihilistic turtle, whose name I can't remember right now. Chapo Turtle House. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's it. Huh? That, That's all right. <laughs> the first day I got there, they said, Oh, do you want to? go see a scene that's being filmed. And I said, sure. And there was a big tent. And so sort of opened the tent and it was mud for seemingly miles. I just couldn't imagine how trucks had brought that much mud and trees, like ginormous trees. Swans of Sadness was a very, very big set in stage four or five in Munich, uh, Bavaria Studios. You see that it's a very, very big, big, big area of swamp with the fog and everything. And it's by far the saddest scene in the film. It was very, very hot because it had to be very steamy, the air, to give this feeling of the swamps and the fog. Everything is wet and slippery and whatever. One of the really scary moments is when the horse drowns. That was very hard to shoot because a horse, as you know, and it slowly sinks and just stops reacting, stops fighting. There was uh, first a, a big hole in the, in the floor, and there was, a, of course, a hydraulic platform underneath where the horse gets on the platform, and now the hydraulics goes down, goes down, so the horse is sinking in the mud more and more and more. We had two or three horses for this, and a great, great trainer from England, and he trained these horses to do exactly the opposite of what the instinct would tell them. And that, I think, you need like three, four months before you get there. But then slowly, 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 they lose their fear and they do it because they always get the result out that nothing happens to them. It works. If you do it over and over again, they get used to it. And when the scene was shot, Noah starts to cry and, and the horse really must have felt this is the end. The, the look of the horse was unbelievable. You have never actually seen a scene like that. You have never seen that right in front of your eyes and he tries to hold him and he goes down. There were tears everywhere. 
Dude, when that horse lost hope, I believe his it. eyes is what I was just saying. The, the yeah. horse's eyes, and you can visually see the horse just go, I'm done. It's like that, that horse better have won the horse Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> that horse was robbed at the horse Oscars. <laughs> I heard that horse didn't even show up to the horse Oscars and brought an indigenous woman. To, yep. uh, <laughs> to, to, to yeah, and she talked entirely about how the tra tree was uh, cast Maybe by Maybe there is an animal awards. Maybe there is an animal awards. I, I mean, there should fucking, be. There should be. No, 100% there should be. The 2022 uh, Oscar season for horses, for animals, is on. Uh, movie night extravaganza is going to bring it to you. So look for that next year. That would actually be really funny to just do to just that would be do animals. Actually, a really funny year. thing to do. Just go yeah. through all the films with real animals in them, and then let's give out awards per category. This animal didn't it's seem realistic. Boy award. But this animal. Oh, yeah, let me tell you. Animal. Animal. <laughs> Look, it's it's crazy. Everyone wants to talk about a lot of things. I get it. it's a controversial movie, but when that horse swept the Rin Tin Tins that year, I mean, it really was. A, <laughs> it was a moment. It was a moment for all of us. Look, and also the like we keep repeating. I know the the importance of how immersive this is, but like the fact that they use real mud, real trees, like everything was real. Real horse. Like, yeah, and and he's really sinking. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, not a real uh, indigenous uh, actor, but you know, canceled, no. canceled. <laughs> no, no, but that's um, the only thing the second one really got right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Atreo would definitely have a uh, podcast these days about how he's been canceled by uh, cancel culture. Anyway, whatever. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> But yeah, the you know, but that's the key thing that these films uh, that we've been talking about over this month. What's so iconic and important and and memorable about them is that everything is real, and you're dragged into a an imaginative, crazy other world, but everything still is real and feels real. And you know, the fact that like you know, they they put put all that effort in to bring in the mud, the water, the trees yep. to make it all gross and, and everything, you know, that poor horse friggin' sank like so many times. And I believed it. I was like, that is a better death scene than some leading and actors. And, yeah. and just for months, for months they trained that horse to learn how to do that. Like Fucking Daniel oh. Day Lewis is training to do that right now. He's actually in that horse's camp. What they didn't like, tell you is that they the shot a bunch of horses. They shot a bunch of horses right in front of that horse to really get the horse demoralized enough to sink in the swamp. It Dude, truly was the swamp of sadness. <laughs> can can yeah, I mean and and like what's so funny to me is that in in the movie, you know, like when after Bastion spoiler alert everyone from movie made in 1984 uh I mean, if that, you haven't seen this film <laughs> You just I don't what to, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, You're exactly. Get hate rated yeah. again. <laughs> but but uh, you have a Treu riding Artax. Like, is this is sort of like retcon in the way that kids like yeah yeah okay now he's back. But like the thing is that's something that I equate to the King Kong uh, gigantic insect scene. 
I've talked about this in the show. I don't, I, I think it was like maybe one of those ones that was super chaotic, but like that is a scene like, like the, so in King Kong, the original King Kong one from the thirties, there was a scene where they're going over a bridge. King Kong like shakes the bridge. <laughs> Yo, Matt, right? Bender, what the fuck? You don't, you didn't respond to the message by the way, where we tried to get you on for this season. He said, he said on Twitter, Oh, don't worry. I'll come on. And then didn't. Yeah. Fucking show me. Don't tell me. But, uh, King Kong shakes the bridge and the, the people fly down to this uh, canyon. It's full of these gigantic insects that rip them apart and kill them. And this was such a like disturbing scene that people in the audiences and the early audiences like, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the ape, it was crazy. But God, those insects, it was it was nuts. Like those like that was really scary. That's what I'm having nightmares about. So like they even like ended up uh, like they cut it out of, uh, from the theatrical release because they were like, it's distracting. Like, look, we're telling the story about this fucking ape. We don't want people talking about these insects. But in that same way, the Artax death scene is so pervasive, so pervasive in culture. And like generationally uh, and beyond, that it's all to yeah. care less and less. <laughs> gets well, sure. And and as like, look, aren't we all our tax right now in this fucking pandemic? Like just yeah, trying well, to like hanging on, hanging on, <laughs> hanging on by a thread. Like no, maybe was, hopefully with a friend. All of this, it was insane watching this whole movie kind of on year three of this pandemic because it's yeah. like. The only thing that really saves you is caring, right? Like this world is falling yes. apart because people can't care. And that that feeling kind of starts to evade you. And it's like, I, I get I get that kind of a lot of it is creativity and imagination, but just that empty feeling inside of you that, that comes in. It's yeah. The no, the no hope, the no empathy, the just no yeah, which I think and is the always fact the that Germans, which you know, sure. Maybe, maybe well, there, there's <laughs> yeah, there's that essential. And if you subscribe to Gamork on Substack, you can read about it every day. But <laughs> you also wrote, wrote, you can also read about why he's not voting for Lula this time. Right, exactly. <laughs> God damn it, Gamork's Gamork's going to bomb our mentions if we if we call him by his name, just like Beetlejuice, which is a preview of the uh, upcoming episode. I'm so excited to watch Beetlejuice for the hundred thousandth time i have watched that movie so many fucking times by the um, way amazing screen cap here by the way just gonna point that out well it's a, it's a yeah people a, people think falcor is just a serious actor but he was really quite a cut up on the scenes <laughs> no when he's like when he has fucking when he has a tray you go up to him and he's like oh yeah I was like, yeah get it oh, get it boy man, fucking a tra <laughs> fucking fucking falcor is gonna be canceled for for his uh you know you know, okay. So you said something along those lines in in our production chat, and I was like, I get that. No, I said thing. it on Twitter, and I made that joke, and it was a joke. Oh, but... did you? Okay. Well, yeah. but I think that there's he's something. He's like kind of a giant dog that likes to get scratched. It's not really that big a deal. I just <laughs> it's always a dog. He likes to get scratched. Hey, what's oh, the fucking problem over he's here? He's a lot and he's not meant to be like a warrior or anything like that. Yeah, he no, just, but he's, fucking... he's like a, he's like a silly creature. I don't actually think that there was something yeah. going like untoward. I just thought it was funny watching that movie in the context of today's world. And well, because there's so again, I have and within the last couple months on Kenzo's show. And so there's that cynical read. And like when I'm pulling the things for my, the signature bit, we are not introducing, like there was a, a few people that had that read. I'm like, fuck you. No. Well, I'm Go trying away. to just have us have a nice conversation. <laughs> I, we're going to introduce that bit. 
Don't no, worry. but but like I think, but it's notable <laughs> that like that people are so poisoned by the cynicism of uh, you know somewhat justified uh, and everything being the worst thing ever that like man he's just a goddamn luck dragon cut cut it out <laughs> like cut it he, out he's a fucking luck it's in the fucking name he's a luck dragon whatever he likes to get scratches what the fuck oh. is that you going to go after guy you going to have the luck dragons that want to get scratches now <laughs> and without without Falcor, you know Falcor play whether you want you know Give him shit or not, without Falcor, half the things that happened in the film wouldn't have happened. He saved, he you know, he, he's the one, he, he flew him everywhere and shit. Arguably, and he's the real hero. He flies him like whatever. That's what they keep saying about Jeffrey Epstein, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually feel that way about this movie. I just, it, it's just, I'm very doom pilled. And this movie is actually a warning <laughs> against getting doom pilled. This movie 100%. is percent against yeah. the cynical read of everything. So it, yes. it upsets me viscerally yeah. that I watch this and I feel uh, or I think the way that I do. I like that really is part of the jokes that I make is like I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to think right. about those things. But but anyway. that, that's how like culture has trained us. Yeah. Mm. Ultimately. I was gonna say that's one of the things that I loved about this film, like I was saying with all the mythologies and things that they build in, was like also, you know, this the part with the sphinx and then and then the next section when he goes in and he has to face his real self. Um, oh, we, we, all right, we got to talk about that. Let's watch the fucking Luck Dragon clip. But we got to talk about that. Then let's, the let's... opposite of that is the Mola. <laughs> we oh, don't even care whether or not we care. We used Miles. a lot of humor or whatever Miles. we put the, the fun and the humor there, especially also with that wonderful thing that she's, you know, always sneezing. Please help me. You said you knew the answer. Well, it's not bomb. It was the idea of Michael Ende, the author, that the less books are read, the less fantasy is coming out of your own brain, the more the nothing grabs you and all the other people. This was the biggest headache we had in the beginning. How to visualize nothing. You cannot see the nothing, of course, but you give an, an expression or an impression from what could be nothing. Never forget the discussions with, with Brian. How can we change skies? How can we give the backgrounds a real but beautiful, fantastic look? So I said, well, there is one way. He started injecting colored oil into the salt water. And all of a sudden, you got these incredible formations looking like clouds, but always moving. He created a form of the nothing that I thought was very impressive and very good. The nothing. We wanted to show how massive the effect of the nothing is when it really hits Fantasia and it's about to destroy everything. There's one scene when the storm comes up that he is hanging on the tree and the storm blows him to the side. It has to be dramatic. So it's an, an enormous, powerful force, like a gigantic storm, wind, whatever it is, but evil. This was a thing which I built for him, kind of gimbal, where the camera was 
on that gimbal. The camera was moving with the set. So when, when we had all the effects coming and all the wind blowing and everything, when the set moved to the side and then he was he was more and more like hanging from the tree. It looked on the screen later on like he was just parallel to the ground, being blown in that direction by the wind. Yo, another reason why this movie can never be made today is because Morla, the aged one, would be a doomfluencer. We just can't allow that. <laughs> I do not care whether or not I get COVID-19. <laughs> I don't even care if I care if I get COVID-19. What? If, by the way, what if, I I couldn't I cannot articulate to you, my very good friends, at how mad I was at a kid at that character. I'm like. Fuck you! Like <laughs> this, this motherfucker just I lost his horse that. for this. Everybody's yeah. kind of rooting for the destruction of their planet too. Like you know, both both Gamork and you know Morla are kind of. I mean, Mor Morla is kind of just apathetic, but like yeah. you know, like uh, yeah, yeah, Gamork's just, a cock, but like Morla's just like Morla's just Mor like, I, could, I could do something, but I can't be fucked. Morla has a very high opinion of themselves and probably <clears throat> Charlie. <clears throat> Damn. All right. Uh, On blast. <laughs> Morla, the ancient Charlie, one Charlie. has every reason to be incredibly cynical, but is the one of the best articulations of a very cynical character that I can think of. And when I say one of the best articulations, I don't mean like, you know, this uh, an easy archetype of like, I get who that person is, but just like literally Atreyu fucking is going through the swamp of sadness to get fucking wisdom from this goddamn Fakakta turtle who sneezes on him 24 7, 365, and is a fucking yeah. asshole the entire time. And like, wants to give like, Hasn't talked to anyone in like, you know, a thousand years and like just wants to, to be like, hey, here, want to hear my opinions about how we're all doomed? Not fucking really. I want the information I came here for, dick. I thought the turtle was yeah. the same one from the uh, the Tootsie Roll uh, Tootsie Pop commercial. <laughs> um, like, took, a, took a weird turn. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, that was my head cannon. Um, that, how that, yeah. many licks does it take you to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Nobody Us cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strange enough that commercial was not greenlit, by the way. Where's the where's the remake of Never Any Story where just Jimmy Dore is the is oh, the turtle? Come on. <laughs> we were having a nice time talking about nice things and I know I read in the comments Trey was a fracking sellout, so I was imagining the Jimmy Dore <laughs> But oh, yeah, why well, kind, of, kind of nice things you see? Because this generation is cancel, cancel, cancel. Just let us live well, in the past. With well, but the, I love, but I love the idea of the stakes of like sacrificing all of these things, oh. journeying all these miles, and this fucking turtle's gonna sneeze mm. on you and not tell you what you need to know, and to tell you you need to go like you know whatever two thousand miles away to go and spread the COVID. 
spreading exactly mask up more like come on man um i don't even care whether i wear a mask or not i has the tantrum again of course when he meets the, the childlike empress and he's like my fucking horse died and you're telling me yeah. that you already knew the answer yeah what the fuck like, and and this movie does a really like, good job of i don't think a lot of movies really did that. Like, uh, you know, I mean, growing up, like they have it in two different places, right? Morla, he's like, what the fuck? My horse died. Well, they have it in three kind of different places. He's like, what the fuck? My horse yeah. died with the Empress. He once again, when she's like, oh, I knew the whole time. He's like, you knew the whole fucking time. Yeah. And he didn't say shit. <laughs> and then with, uh, you know, at, at the beginning when the Empress is like kind of guide or whatever is, is speaking to them and is like, oh, is this a child? He's like, well, all right, I'll go home. And it's like all of those things felt empowering as a kid where it's like totally not only, yeah not only not only do you have to prove to the adults that you are like the warrior you say you are but you can just fucking leave you can just be like hey fuck you guys you guys don't want a kid handling this and that's kind of the yeah. opposite and it's like, oh wait 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 hold on you know don't, and like you know that's the opposite again. of what bastion's position is where he's yes. like well i've read all of these books and i'm going to show you right now i am a smart kid and fucking atreyu gets to just be like you know what like if you don't want me here, fine. I, I got I got fucking purple buffalo to hunt. So if you guys don't want me yeah. here, fuck you. Yeah. Suck a dick. <laughs> I trade you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, but uh we're gonna Where's, I, I should queue up uh letterbox one liners. All um, right. We're getting to this two hour point, and I feel like you know, my 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 reading is that once we get to two hours, people kind of just go. Let's hate rate again. No. <laughs> but, um... enough. Yeah. <laughs> At least people care enough to hate raid. Uh, yeah. So I must have said absolutely. something to somebody on Twitter that someone didn't like. That's the, uh, you know, it's, it's, who, I who think it tell? was when I said West Elm, Caleb Maupin. I think that's what nobody my... cares. <laughs> Uh, so this bit is, uh, the signature bit, my signature bit, uh, moving extravaganza, letterbox, letterbox, a place for film, a, a bottom up, a democracy of film critiques, opinions, and, uh, and working on the type five. And this is a, a recurring bit that we do in the show where whatever movie that we are talking about, I read the letterboxed world the the world of letterbox i take the orin and i wish myself into it and then i uh, find the ones that are uh, you know funny notable clever uh so on and so on worthy of discussion about the movie that we're talking about they can't be too long the format generally lends itself to super long form stuff that nobody cares about including the stuff i write and uh just quick one-liners and and this this is what this bit is and we are going to do it right now Letterbox essentially opened the book up for the whole world to have the adventure together. It's true. They negged us too. <laughs> me and Falcor dunking on the haters. That's what really <laughs> drew me to this movie as a kid. Like, yes. Fucking A. Just, I mean, like, fuck you guys. Yeah, Jack Warren Fuck called you it. <laughs> and now my daughter wants a luck dragon. My landlord is going <laughs> to want a hell of a deposit. <laughs> Craig Duffy with that one. Uh, Makes me want to turn to a Maoist. Never ending Sphinx. Oh, sorry. Never ending Sphinx boobs. We didn't even talk about the Sphinx, and I want to before we end the show. Okay. Well, it's your show. Yes. 
did mention it. Never-ending oh. Sphinx boobs. I would like to smoke weed with a Falcor. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would not like to smoke weed with Morla. That sounds fucking terrible. Yo. Yo, yo. So, yeah, smoking weed with Morla would be fucking awful. That would be, like, the worst thing ever. Also, I bet people would get stuck smoking weed with Gamork, and that would be the worst experience ever. And that's a Joe Rogan show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Stand Jimmy, by my words. Jimmy Jimmy Neutron on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate it when I need world saving answers from a turtle and it turns out to be a nihilist. Yeah. Anders Voss. Answer, answer my questions. The fuck is this? Eyes wide shut for kids? Yeah. <laughs> Real guard. No, yes, it hard. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well. No, Labyrinth was too sexy to be eyes wide shut for kids. But we we oh, had come that on. They had the masks. We had that whole conversation on <laughs> From now on, I'm only taking home decor inspiration from Inglywook and Urgle. So this is uh for those that don't remember the articulation of the minor characters, those are the uh little folks, the scientist and the uh his his the crank, yeah. The cook spellcaster slash crank and the scientist like spent his entire uh, by the way i love that like he spent his entire life studying the southern oracle but like didn't go yeah. to it of course well that's no, i mean no. that, is, that is scientists right it like, is in, but, uh, in a nutshell i, I yeah. really like the the idea that like on jstor you know jstor the um it's like uh the database that they have all the scientific papers on mm-hmm uh, so in college, like they were always like, "Oh, go to JSTOR." I like the idea that there would be like a hundred years studying the science oracle uh, of the Southern Oracle. Yeah, the okay. Southern or yeah. <laughs> Real quick, oh, hold on, hold on. go go back. Can you go back? I was I was gonna yeah. say I was gonna read the tags in that one. Childhood, yes. Puppets, woohoo, agreed. Set design, sure. <laughs> Color palette, you bet. Soundtrack, yes. How have we not talked about the soundtrack yet? I have a clip. Ha hashtag. We'll talk about the soundtrack. Film club. <laughs> Netflix. And that last one, I don't know about yeah, all that. Whatever. But... That's just like I don't even care whether or not I, I watch this on Netflix. Where I stream it. <laughs> when that horse died, it was like my 911. Yeah. Aisling, speaking harsh truth. Moral the story Bush also killed that horse, I should say. It's, uh, Dick Cheney had it worked out in the PNAC, man. It's a project for a new American century. First, we kill the horse in the swamp of sadness. Secondly, appoint Gamork vice president. Moral of the story. <laughs> Always skip math class. Yeah, fuck math class. Yeah, I still have math class. That's right on. I still have nightmares about math class. And missing math tests, which <laughs> might come from this movie itself. <laughs> it might. It's different. When you grow up and realize you've been raw dogged by the nothing your entire yeah. life. <laughs> Wilma dick fit with that bon mot. <laughs> well, no, you're not going to have a dick anymore. It's the nothing. There you go. That's still a good one. <laughs> My sisters and I used to hook up two hoses, face each other. Then one of us would have to run between the other two while they sprayed them in the ankles. We were recreating the Believe in Yourself Sphinx scene. Started weird, but ended up on point, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Atreyu doesn't get enough credit for not sinking into the swamp after the event. I would have sunk like a rock. Yeah. True fact stated. 
Yeah. Martin Sagan. Anyway, those yeah. are the letterbox reviews. Letterbox one liners. Follow letterbox. Uh, follow movie next extravaganza on letterbox, which is uh, really forest. Uh, movie next extravaganza. I'm Conan. I don't even Jan. care whether I follow the I letterbox. I don't care if I review <laughs> or not. Uh, J Andrew World right about now. And uh, Renee Ruin also on there, as well as many of other awesome friends and feature guests. I'm not pointing in the right place. Uh, Letterbox, the place for film. Thank you very uh, much. Also, while you're here, make sure you uh, sign up and subscribe. Uh, subscribing helps us out a lot. If mm. you have an Amazon Prime account, please subscribe using that. It doesn't cost you anything, but that does help us out. And we thank you. Um, it costs you nothing, folks. Nothing. You can also support us on patreon and don't forget uh discord is coming it's like the yeah nothing. that sounds this, ominous discord <laughs> sounds like the nothing it's yeah, like, I, guess, I was gonna say that sounds like the nothing's like lesser known cousin discord is coming prepare yourself the entire right now the discord started in the south over <laughs> i thought the discord started in the north we have it in the north too uh yeah, all the things that he said as well. Yeah, yeah. We should probably promote this show, not just Letterbox, who is not a sponsor. Yeah, but but uh, Patreon, uh, you know, I would say, did I get to Patreon? Patreon, yeah. Well, you did again. Patreon.com slash movie night extra. Yeah, make sure you go there and support us there because we do want to bring you more content and we are developing it. It is it is in the works, folks. I keep it getting rejected by those fucking German producers, though. Yeah, we're literally being <laughs> held back by a class action lawsuit. But other than that, we would like to. This is not on. how I ended my segments. <laughs> it's the German Conan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is not how I. This is not how I wrote out the letterbox. Wait, well, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> which is really just like regular Conan, but with like three different versions of the. <laughs> Das, that's, the, yeah, that, and, that's for the linguists out there, by the way. Go ahead. Noam Chomsky, come on the come on yeah. the show. Noam Chomsky, come on, movie next time again. So. <laughs> oh Dude, my god. How fucking rad would it be to like have like ah, we got Beetlejuice with Renee Ruin and Noam Chomsky? Well, I I really think that that Beetlejuice was one of the, the most interesting characters that really the, the media kind of just misrepresented and <laughs> they left him it. out completely. <laughs> we love it, folks. We love I it. Him as that meme for that Pete Davidson guy everywhere. I don't know if you guys... With Noam Chomsky? <laughs> Noam Chomsky I, and Pete Davidson? <laughs> I only have the dimmest idea of who that guy is, and I really don't want to know anything more. So like, I, 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 emailed, I emailed Noam Chomsky he's, he's right before good. our Letterboxd uh, episode and, Noam, and, and asked Tonight? him a question. Or oh. no, right before our uh, Walker episode. So like episode 10, back in the summer, I emailed Noam Chomsky, and I've, uh, I've, I've edited like I think six or seven Noam Chomsky interviews. So I emailed him and asked him like a question and he responded within a few hours. And I was like, yeah, but I, I, was I like, bet, look, I bet I, he'd rather come on with us and like fucking talk about Willow or whatever than fucking be Hector by Brianna Joy Gray. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brianna yeah. Joy Gray. I don't come on the I show. I don't feel that way. <laughs> come on the show and talk. We'll do the Star Trek movies. I'm, I feel I love worse. You. Anyway. Um, <laughs> she's friends with Pascal. She's friends with Pascal. You can't, you can't hate. She's friends with Pascal. Yeah, I, I love Brianna Joy Gray. I just think it's, I think that's this is a funny moment. 
that's yeah, a funny is. moment no, in no, modern no, it history. Was. No, it was. Anyway. A, it was. And Noam Chomsky told you to vote for the Democratic Party. So Noam Chomsky, you know, he's he's you can't trust you can't can't trust that Chomsky. Anyway. Don't trust anyone over seventy five. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I have a, I have a music clip, and I want to talk about that. And fuck I want to talk yes, about how scared make I it was. five hour stream. Five hour stream. I want to talk about how scared I was. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't mind going along on this one because I, I, I was going to be impact as me as super pissed off if if we didn't talk about the music. Magical editor, and we can't, we can't miss these two parts. I'm sure he will be able to make a genius hour or whatever he does. People are talking about it more and more. No, I'm going to, I'm going to force everyone to listen to the entire thing. Besides when I mentioned Brianna Joy Gray, it was (laughs) the one one thing. I am a legit big fan, but that was a legit good diss. Come on. No, I, I, yeah, no, it was, it was good. I talk about it out there. 93. The music in the film is almost traditional, but with the big orchestra, also interesting sound effects mixed into it. This film, it was also in this boat and many other films I have done. For me, it was always very important to have melodies you can recognize and keep in your inside. Giorgio Moroda, very famous composer and very successful at that time, was hired by us to come up with something, what what we called, first of all, a song. Very simple. We had no song in the German version. And the Never Ending Story song is his song. But not only that, he should also come with some musical elements and additional takes that were done not in the more classic way what Klaus Dollinger did, but with synthesizer and a bit more contemporary feeling for the kids out there. And so the score is the unusual thing that we mixed the basic score from Klaus Dollinger with a slightly different style of a, of a score for special scenes by Giorgio Morona. This wonderful message in the book is uh, go with your dreams. So what I said is I've never done a fantasy film like this. So just look inside, believe in yourself and do what you dream. And that was liberating. That was wonderful. And all of a sudden you feel yourself being like a kid. Let's say I've never before directed a luck dragon, right? That's an essential part of childhood is the ability to dream those dreams and to imagine that kind of fantastic world and to be so totally absorbed in a story yourself. I think the concept of the importance of the imagination is a really amazing one. And when I see the movie again, it still works for me. I mean, suddenly I'm no longer the one who was involved with that movie that all of a sudden I'm part of the audience again. It is with every good fantasy film or fairy tale or so, there is something 
behind all the fun and all the creatures and all the scary stuff, there is some messages, some meaning, something what helps kids to see the world and get through the world better. And this whole idea of do what you dream, believe in yourself and try to live the dreams because that's what life is all about. If you do that, you create a whole wonderful world, Fantasia. Uh, yeah, uh, needless to say, I have a lot of thoughts. About let me, well, that. let me quickly say not all Germans should follow their dreams. There are some dreams <laughs> that Germans should not, in fact, follow, and there are some dreams that Germans should just keep on the back burner, or as they say, their back burner. Their back burner I'm just yes. getting flashbacks to The Simpsons, where it's like, Why are you attacking us Germans? We never did anything wrong. Oh, well, no, well, there's the there's the die bot died. He's like, that's German for the bot. The, the, like, the, the no one, the, no one, yeah. no one, no one German could be evil. <laughs> uh yeah. So I, I got a, I got a lot of thoughts on this. I think the music is quite frankly extraordinary in this Who's movie. Who's the 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 person that they hired to do the at least the main song? Giorgio Moroder. The fucking incredible Georgia Maroder, uh, uh, basically responsible for not just Donna Summers' career, uh, but it's also what? Uh, no. <laughs> no, but one of wrong, one wrong, one wrong. of the most fantastic and underrated Sparks records that basically kind of inspired a whole genre. Like, all right, Erasure, we heard you, we heard you, we heard that you heard number one song in heaven too. Uh, but fantastic, uh, fantastic theme. Like one of the themes that when I was thinking about the theme for this month, which of course written by myself, Conan Neutron, <laughs> I was thinking about the archetypical music that is, is like something about these eighties fantasy music, fantasy movies. Like the music is like so important. The music is so important to them and so key to the experience that you know, like whatever. I think it probably sounds more like New Order with like Ron Ashton fucking jumping in with like an unexpected guitar solo. But like, I was thinking about the theme song "Never Ending Story," but it, it's uh, but the, let's hear let's hear Kona Neutron's Fantasia in, intro once again. This is right. this is the song that we're talking about.
Hey, we're yeah, offline. Thanks, guys, for coming on to the show. <laughs> there, there's chimes in that. And, like, that is maybe the first thing I've ever written that has chimes. I'm like, yo, there's got to be chimes in this. And, and, like, part of that is because of the incredibly brilliant uh, Georgia Maroder pen theme song. To I don't even care whether or not there are chimes in my <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so the song is credited to, uh, I think it's, Lamal, Lemal, I don't know how you say it. Yeah. But uh, it's an anagram of the dude's last name, which is Hamill. Most people don't know that. I know that. I also know the fact that he was in uh, Kajagugu. But, like, first of all, there's a very earnest, wholesome uh, posting about how in Stranger Things they referenced everything in the story. The characters, like, sing it, whatever. And apparently his kids told him and it was like a whole moment. It's like, it's really cool and special, but like, that's a jam. By the way, Georgia Moroder wrote that. Like that was that and, and, and the other dude. And it's so fucking clearly a Georgia Moroder song, especially of that era, which is the number one song in heaven, like an after era. But holy shit. What a great fucking tune. Yeah. Perfectly endemic of the times, the topic. Yeah. And like I, I had, I had, when I was writing that shit, I had to work on it. To be, I got to make it not sound exactly like the Neverending Story because it's gonna be real hard yeah. not to. <laughs> I had the soundtrack, and we actually used to sing it at school. Neverending Story during music class. Like, Why the fuck wouldn't you? Yeah. Turn around. Tell me what you see. But <laughs> that string of those films that that have key songs. That song is one of the ones that always is one of the key ones I remember along with Electric Dreams. I don't know if you guys know that film, but that song is like one of, it's such a fucking great song. And it's, if you haven't seen that film from the 80s, I strongly recommend you do. Um, because it's crazy. It's about like computer. It's like her before her. Basically. Well, yeah, yeah it's, it's like Phil, Philip K. Dick uh, style uh, business, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised I yeah. haven't seen that. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a love story kind of thing, but like with the yeah. computer, but with a real person. And the computer's jealous of the real woman. And um, oh, But it has an amazing soundtrack. It's very similar to the vibes of uh, this song. That That is extremely my shit, as the kids say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, also, I, I, I want to just go on record to say that it's brilliant. And I mean fucking brilliant for a theme for the never-ending story to begin with a fade-in and end with a fade-out. Because the sum totality of that effect is that it seems like you ne it never really starts and never really stops. And that's such a small thing, but it's not a small thing at all. It's fucking genius. Thank you. Agree. Yeah. I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree wholeheartedly that yes. I think we can all agree how hard it goes. Yes. Yeah, we might get rated again with what I just tweeted. I said Mark Greenwald, but um. <laughs> and I don't think there's a person on this earth who doesn't know the song or know the words if it came on, even if they don't. Yeah. Really Never-ending Sphinx boobs. All right, so so that's the last thing I want to talk about before we go to final thoughts. Um, that's final a cool thoughts. 
you know, as they say. Um, yes, they do. Because I, I do have to. They're saying it more and more, people. I do have to finish prepping to have Nomiki on tomorrow, which I uh, mm-hmm. had the, all these ideas for tomorrow's episode of Sabbath Cipher that I like pitched to Kenzo, and he's like, "Yes, do that." But like, we didn't. Think you should we were have been Nomiki. Look, you could have been talking about never ending the story, but you're playing. <laughs> I didn't ask her to come on the show yet. I'm gonna ask her after tomorrow. That was my plan, but thanks for. I'm pa- I'm passive asking her to retroactively come on this well, show. Tell us, tell us about your trauma from the Sphinx. Yeah. So so as a kid, I just I remember being fucking terrified of the two gates, and the first gate for the Sphinx is like you have to like, like really believe in your own worth, and it's like. Well, first of all, what if you have no worth and you know what I mean? Like you're going through and you're like, yo, everything sucks. And they're like, yeah, all right. You don't, you can't do shit. You're a kid. But the second one is, uh, you know, like th- as they fall apart, talking to, to talking to Treyu and like, you know, and telling him like, you need to come up with a name. And he's like, well, I got plenty of names. Like, no, not you. Someone else has to come up with a name. Someone who isn't such yeah, a good yeah. writer. And you know what I mean? Like the world. I got names apart. coming out my ass. <laughs> Oh, Victoria. What about that name? That's a name. Oh, <laughs> my name's fucking Atreyu. That's not even a real name. Ooh, who has that name? Hey, what the fuck you want from me? All right. Go to the cafeteria and get an Atreyu. <laughs> the Sphinxes. Um, who are stacked. The... Let's 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 be clear. These Sphinxes are fucking yeah. built. Yeah. Oh, they are. Yeah, they are definitely built. As there a German are titties man. on that sphinx. That, that, that's a German Huge sphinx of statues. Yes. <laughs> huge but, uh, tracks of land. <laughs> they have huge <laughs> tracks of land. <laughs> a tidbit is the oh, what? Tidbit. A tidbit? Oh, oh, my tidbit's than... going crazy. I've run three miles today. Let me tell you. <laughs> There's more than a bit on those sphinxes. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, that in, in the actual book. There's three gates, not two. Um, they just couldn't afford that. So many tips. he goes it through. It would have. It would have <laughs> given him a rating. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been an X rating. <laughs> it would have rated a D for too many tits. Oh! oh. <laughs> All right, Renee Ruin talks <laughs> uninterrupted now for at least two minutes. Go. It's okay. Um, the third. So the third gate is a little bit difficult, I think, to explain to children, which is why they chose to cut it out. Um, but in, in the book also the Sphinx scenario is reversed. So in the books, the Sphinx's eyes remain open at all times. And in the movie they remain closed and only open when they're going to shoot you. Like, But in, in, in the book they actually remain open and they freeze you like regardless but yeah there's no closed eye thing that was something that was added as like a cool effect i guess for the film well Which is. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what's open and what's closed because it's the third eye if the third eye opens and realizes that you're not really <laughs> given given the full supplement treatment you know what i mean like just- yeah joe rogan.com let's go <laughs> and the sphinx blouse was open <laughs> It was very infowars.com slash sphinx. Uh we got plenty of supplements. Backslash Sphinx Life backslash be a man. Yeah. Tons of tons of uh tons of supplements for your sphinxster. That wasn't nearly two minutes. Renee uninterrupted go. Go. No, I was just gonna say I loved also how how he was so headstrong and just like I'm going in. 
like didn't even like wait because I'm going in there. Yeah. But, like, but then um, he has that moment when he sees the knight that got fucking got. And he's like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. And fucking ben Burgess, <laughs> ben Burgess up there is like, what's going on? Let me finish writing this paper on, on who gets through the Sphinx. Give them a, give them a I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go debate Gamork yeah, next Tuesday. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's also that twist where he gets to the second gate, obviously, which is the yeah. mirror where he has to face his true self, and he doesn't understand because the true self is Bastion. Yeah, yeah, that's a great moment. That's that's like a link where the first time you that like and I don't think even Atreyu understands that at the time what that not at all because he's pre prepped by uh he was prepped they said to him this they were kind of showing him this is this is you know because because he's pre prepped by the Neil deGrasse Tyson of the Southern Oracle to be like you're gonna see if you're a, if you're a hero you see a you see a that coward really is, that really is literally Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> yeah it is it is yeah and and like what he sees is like it's some fucking kid reading a book what am I looking at like what's happening right now he's confused by yeah. it but as as a viewer we're like oh burn there it is there, yeah, yeah that's the connection like yeah but then it takes him the whole film to figure out that there's this kid you know like but he saw the kid all along it takes a just, lot of fucking the kid takes a lot of time just being like it can't be me and you're like dude it's you just it's say me. something and it's he's like fucking hey, you it can't be Imagine, like, well even if it that wasn't that even if that. what are you afraid of getting humiliated yeah. got thrown in the trash can you, you're you're in the attic of your elementary school. What exactly do you have to lose at this moment in time? You're not exactly in a cool kid position. But that's you why know? he's that's why he's the the opposite of Atreyu because he's like he's cowardly and wimpy and he doesn't have any self confidence. So he, he thinks it couldn't possibly be about, be about me. I'm this dweeb who reads books and hides yeah. in the dark and puts a blanket over my head when there's thunder. You know what I mean? So. That's a part of his journey. Yeah, but they're still like, it's you. It's you, Bastion. It's you. It's about you. And he's reading it, and he's like, it can't be about me, Bastion. Must be it was totally Bastion. about Bastion is the next sentence, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but like, in the book, and it's been a little while, so Renee, correct me if I'm wrong, which I know you will. Like, I, I, I think he's even overweight in the book. And that's a thing I, that they play Lucas upon. because of Lucas is, a little, Lucas is a little fat boy. He's overweight and he's he's reading the book. What are you doing? Ooh, ooh, he ooh, fell into the trough ooh, of chocolate. <laughs> but like that, but that's a thing that they, they chose to change for the movie. I think Michael Enda was like pissed off about it, where it's like, well, like, I mean, you can get across the point hey, without the him. Be about the fat boy. Bring the fat boy Like in in right. all these stories, like even ones today, modern day ones, why are they always have to be these like fat chubby kids like Often they're not. They're scrawny, like you know, as well. Like it's because like, those are the yeah, ones the wolf would eat. The wolf is going to eat the fat boy who's running through the woods. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes, and says the wolf eats the fat boy, and everything is done. It's done. <laughs> no yeah, happy yeah, ending so, for anybody. So yeah, in the yeah in the book, he's played um yeah by an overweight boy who wears glasses. Yeah. 
So like <laughs> he wears glasses. Stereotypical- I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, he wears glasses. So he's like the stereotypical kind of like the worst stereotype of of a book. Which so that's another reason why I think the movie is better than the book. Because it, it it takes away the things that don't matter like that, which are like, look, we get it. He's a fucking geek. We get it. Like, like you don't need to like oversell the point. Elements to make it, you know, worse for the, the fucking kid. You know, yeah, you like get <laughs> you get to see through. Right. Augustus like, Gloop. Yeah, exactly. And then you had to go and. and <laughs> so I think they made a good decision there by making, I think, by. Just taking that I, element out together. I, I agree because you get to see it rather than hear about it. And I think that is, if, I, if there's anything I've learned about like what I like about movies, is that like I can't stand these exposition dumps that tell you how to feel. Mm-hmm. What I like is like if you want me to feel something, fucking show me. Yeah. Of course, and this movie, movies, like, kind of have those exposition dumps because they can they they don't know really what feeling is, so you have to kind of explain. Well, to them, look, look at legends, the saddest. Like, like here, here's the information dump of what you need to know about this movie. Like, I don't want to read all those words. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't give a shit, and it also didn't matter. I didn't need to read any of those words to know that Tom Cruise is running around with like a bunch of fucking uh, Fakakta little friends that are, that are like have everyone seems to think they need to know who they are. And like Tim Curry's awesome. That's all I need to know. And also the, the, the chick is awesome as a goth. Thank you. I did. I never yes. read the, like, I, I really don't read the word drums and like, uh, you know, like when movies have that a lot of times, like I lose the context. If the, if there is context based on that, cause I'm like, I'm like, like, I'm I'm, I'm ready, but like my brain's not taking them in. Like, (laughs) look, I realized that I'm the guy that was like, hey, everybody, watch the version of Dune that has all the exposition, (laughs) meaning the 80s Dune. Right. I was the one that was like, hey, let's do that. And like when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a terrible idea because there's so much just like it's like, hey, y'all remember Final Fantasy? Here's like fucking 16 pages of text you need to read. But Skip, 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 skip. The exposition but, dump like, where, where David Lynch goes, panties and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but but this, like, but Prince, yeah. but, but uh, uh, sorry, uh, what we're talking about? Never, never, his story doesn't do that as a movie. Yeah, Princess Bride Pain. doesn't either. David Lynch version. What I loved about it was that it didn't rely on the stereotypical tropes that majority of these yes. kind of films would. Normally, and even films today always do. It's like it's Renee Ruin bringing it back home. It would have lessened the movie to make Bastion more yeah, like the character from the book. Because it's 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 not enough to be a nerd and an outcast and a weirdo. But okay, now we've got to make you overweight. Now you've got to have glasses. Now let's just like that's not how you know. That's it takes away from the central part of you know this kid. And what he's going through and you know what what his journey is you know and that more yeah, I, I think that more skinny children in movies less relying on i think <laughs> less relying on ugliness or weight or disability as a reason yeah. for being a nerd or a dork or or exactly. whatever. It might be. I mean, a lot of kids are just nerds and dorks. Look at look at how exactly. many. I, yeah, exactly. like I mean, 
Look look at the fans of gamork.substack.com. <laughs> Mark Greenwald. Yeah, and, and he keeps saying that name. He's gonna show up. I know it's 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 we're way past the third time. He's definitely gonna appear on the stream immediately. <laughs> Maybe it's but, like Candyman. Wasn't that five I, times? I thought Candyman yeah, was three. But this we can't. The other one we can't say is Beetlejuice because Glenn Greenwald. But um, all right, I. I, I don't know if anyone has specific final thoughts. Um, I feel like we've gone through I 100%, I 100% do, and I'm sure everyone else does as well. Yeah. But okay. I appreciate so, that you want to end the show. So. Um, no, yeah. no, I don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't have to. I just have to, you know, I mean, I have to prep for this is the final stuff. episode, guys. <laughs> it's a, it a good run, everybody. Um, so I guess, Renee, final thoughts? Uh, anything you want to add to this um, discussion? I guess um, I think I'm pretty got a lot out there but um yeah i think given that this film was made in 1984 um and based on material that was written in the 70s um i think like for me this will always be a five out of five film um in terms of like the production in terms of the storytelling the integration of the myths the way that we're immersed into the journeys of like of both Atreyu and Bastion. And I think, you know, it does a really good job of telling their truths in a way that isn't exploitative, like I said, or using um, other stereotypical, like, flaws as a reason for being a nerd. It's just, you know. Um, so this movie resonates this is what it a is, lot with me. You know? Like, yeah. it really, it really is. Like, it is. It just is what it is. Like, you, you're a nerd or you're not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And growing up that way and, and you know, this, this movie was my, you know, last short, like it was like, you know, it was, wow. Like it was like, wow, this is my power, getting my power back almost. Like watching this movie gave me so much joy and empowerment watching it. And every time, you know, getting to that end scene, like I said, I just felt like, validated that you know everything that I did and do and you know had some meaning and was what did mean something to people and you know I'm thankful I guess to my dad that he was such an imaginative person and made film and and literature a huge part of my upbringing and here's um, Renee's dad dad no. rules yeah. Renee's dad come on the show <laughs> yeah, um, there will be a lot of un-PC if my dad came on the show. Let me tell you. When has the show ever been PC? I was, I was going to say you've heard you've heard this show. You're on this show. You know all about it. <laughs> yes. Oh, we can get way worse. Trust me. Got my dad on, and you will find out. But um, how, how many yeah. cunts will he say per sentence? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, a lot, and there'll be so much. How cool the luck cunt. Videos. So many anyway, Renee Ruin can yeah continue your final yeah. thoughts, please. Thank you. So yeah, um, yeah. So again, like I said, five out of five for me. Um, this will always be the quintessential um, kind of like nerd wins movie for me, and I think I watched this film as a child more than even Labyrinth or you know Willow or anything like that. Um, you know, this was the one film that resonated with me 
personally like on a level where I could relate day to day. And and I think, yeah, everything about it is fantastic. And the way they bring the mythology in is which is something I'm nerdy as hell about. Um, and the way that they, like Forrest mentioned, the whole concept of, you know, of not caring anymore and, and, and all of that stuff, um, which seems so pertinent now, but they didn't have foresight probably when they wrote this to realise how well it would translate. But this movie stands the test of time. Every time I watch it, I'm never disappointed. And, you know, every time it, it something about it blows me away more. So, um, yeah, it's iconic and it's a film that struck a chord with me and it continues to strike a chord with people, every, all, you know, continually. So I think that in itself, you know, proves how great this film is and how important and iconic it is for this genre and in general. Yeah. You know? uh, Conan, some final thoughts. I got to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, Renee hit on some of my, some of my points, some of my favorite things about this movie, which is, which is that this is what, when I think of, movie night Fantasia and the fact that like the type of movies we were covering, which are the kind of movies that like in like a harsh Omicron wave winter, sorry, Renee, but for the rest it's winter where there's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of things to be psyched about. It was a specific decision to be like, let's have these movies that are things that can take you away to somewhere else. And as much as like maybe as movies, there's other movies that maybe I, I prefer to never end the story. This movie articulates the world in a way that few other movies can even try to pull off, let alone pull off. And again, to, to go back to what I said earlier about like the only grounding is the beginning and the end. And to have the end be like the long term payoff from the beginning of being like, if you're an artistic person, if you're someone that like reads books or comic books or, you know, like whatever, like plays music or like you're the freak of the nerd or the weirdo, like the moment where like Bastion's writing Falcor and like a Kona Neutron's getting from the couch and be like, get their asses, go. Like that is the shit. And there's not the only, the only thing, and this is going to sound like a strained analogy, but I guarantee you, I've thought about this. The only thing I can think about is like when the Rocky music starts playing and you're like, fuck yeah, fucking get him, Rocky. Like, like, and like you are empowered by watching this character on screen be empowered because you've gone on this journey where strangely enough, the main character in the movie has experienced the actions of others. But what has turned out is being is that like being creative and daring to dream and not be grounded in this miasmic cynical reality is an attribute and can literally quite literally save a world. Fucking cool. Great film, five stars. <laughs> yeah. Um Andy I, I gotta follow uh, that up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, I thought Conan had it hard. <laughs> Gamork.substack.com. <laughs> this is a, I was 
sorry I started it. Now it's just getting a cycle. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, no. The uh, Bastion, Bastion totally is a character that uh, I related to as a kid, uh, as um, uh, partly because, you know, I moved around a lot. Um, uh, you know, I, I was at, uh, you know, uh, I moved in, uh, you know, between first and second grade and then again in sixth grade and, and uh, in high school. So um, I was never the popular kid. I was, you know, and then my niche loves of like uh, comic books and Buckaroo Banzai and um, stuff like that has always kind of set me apart. And, and people don't necessarily you, see. Wait, me. wait, you like Buckaroo Banzai? I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah, I, I uh, uh, you know, I was always interested in things that like the other kids weren't into, so it was always kind of hard to make friends because I was literally in my own little world, uh, and, and so I related so hard to this movie, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, um, fuck yeah, I want uh, to ride a luck dragon. Who doesn't? I mean, you know, uh, push the bullies in the trash can, not into cars. Um, it's an important distinction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. And uh, you know, I want you to know that um, he actually was passing the car on the le uh, on the uh, the wrong side, and then the car turned into him, which is what happened uh, in the accident. It's, yeah, it's, that's that's jacked up, man. Like I, no, I gotta no, say, like not, I don't want to interrupt your final thoughts, but that's yeah. And, and like he put um, uh, who ended up becoming a friend of mine. Uh, like like we didn't really we weren't friends at the time, but like after he came out of the hospital, uh, Aram and I. Uh, became good friends through high school. Um, yeah, you know, we drifted apart since then, but whatever, you know, that happens. Um, it, you know, but still, the, like, you know, I, I, I love and appreciate the man. Um, and uh, I, I, I feel terrible that that the whole thing happened. So, um, you know, bullies and trash cans, not in front of cars. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so, so my, my final thoughts on this was that, uh, and I usually I'd end with a quote, but, uh, you know, I'll end with, with some final thoughts on this. My final thoughts were, you know, as a kid watching the rock biter who we didn't talk about that much, but watching who's, who's said, apparently saying born to be wild, which is news to me. Cause I'll never watch those movies, <laughs> but watching the rock biter, I felt like maybe those rocks were gourmet and I just need to end with this thought. Was that a rock gourmand? And I'll just end it on that note. He said.